Hello, salutations. Welcome back to the TetraCast, uh, episode 325, recording on November 18, 2023. We are recording uh, the week right before uh, North American, or yeah, USA Thanksgiving, not Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, so we are on the cusp of, uh, you know, the holiday season. Because uh, right after Thanksgiving, it's going to be the whole, everything turns to Christmas. Pretty much, it's not already. Yeah, as if not already. Like usually after Halloween, that's what it turns to. But after Thanksgiving, it's really on full blast. Maria and... Carey has, in fact, been defrosted. Yep, that's right. The annual Mariah Carey defrosting. It's a, it's a popular uh, event in the USA. Um, yeah. As uh, joining me, we have the usual. We have Adam Vitali. Hello, James Galizio. Hey, folks. Chow Min Wu. How's it going? And then special guest uh, this week, Colin Black. There was a podcast intro here. It's gone now. <laughs> uh, we have uh, quite a bit of RPGs, new RPGs to talk about this week. Uh, uh, Action Pack, we had the release of Persona 5 Tactica, the, stra- the tactical RPG spinoff Persona 5 uh, game. You have the remake of Super Mario RPG that came out that, you know, uh, pretty beloved uh, RPG for a lot of folks when they played it when they were much younger. Um, and then uh, I, I played uh, a new indie RPG called Small Saga that's been in development uh, for quite a long time. So I got to uh, play and beat that. So I'll talk about that um, later on. And then also there was a, a DLC uh, release for Remnant 2, the, the first of three called The Awakened King. And James and I got to check that out as well. That was uh, some pretty cool stuff. So uh, let's hop to it because we have a lot uh, to talk about this week. Uh, first off, we're going to uh, start with Persona 5 Tactica. This is, once again, uh, the tactics spinoff uh, for Persona 5. It's sort of like you know the, the usual Persona spinoffs like Persona Q, uh, the Persona Arena fighting game. So in that vein, it's a... Uh, the taking the cast of Persona Five, putting them in a new genre, new gameplay systems, and uh, both James and Cullen got to go check it out. Uh, James reviewed it on the site, and I believe Cullen you reviewed it for Nintendo Insider as well, right? Yes. All right, let's start with you, Cullen. Uh, talk uh, to us about Persona Five Tactica. Okay. Um. So for those of you who might not know, I'll give build a little like world build this a little bit, add some context. Uh. I am a very big Persona 5 fan. A Persona fan in general. I adore these games. I was the one who gave uh, Royal uh, the 10 out of 10 for our site. I, I was thinking about that recently. That's almost like four years ago. That's wild. Yep. But anyway, uh, for all intents and purposes, I should like this game. And I think it's just fine. It's James and I were talking in the, in the review period, and we pretty much agree it's a game. Mm-hmm. It's it, a game where it's one of those RPGs where it starts out fairly strong and you're like, ooh, there might be something here. And then it's like, it never really gets bad, but the quality definitely peters out in the second half of the game. And it, it a lot of the like classic fumbles where it's like uh, visual variety, uh, story pacing that sort of thing. The game's fine. I gave it a 7. I don't know what Colin gave it. I gave it a 7 as well. Yeah, so we're both on the same page here. 
it's yeah, it's it, it's fine. If you have Game Pass and you like Persona Five, or or if you like tactical games, or both, it's worth playing. It's not that long. I don't know how some people apparently played it for forty hours. It's really oh, not that God. long. No, that sounds impossible. <laughs> that sounds impossible. Yeah, okay, I was so reading some reviews, and some people said, "Oh, it took them forty hours long." It's like, really? Huh? How they really yeah. thought about every single turn and retry and undid and restarted a lot of stages? They're uh. Doing Fire Emblem, <laughs> no death runs. We were talking about this a bit before we went live, and I it, it really seems like the kind of game where they had a bunch of incredible ideas. Like, the gameplay is the strongest part about the game. Like, just the core systems and the mechanics of it all. Like, in the moment, you are playing a very competent, at like worst, strong as hell at best SRPG. What happens though is that like they clearly there were some budget problems maybe or like dev time was a bit shorter something happened it seems that it's just there's less content to back up these ideas than you would assume and by the time you're done with the first world you pretty much have seen all of the like game itself I I wouldn't go that far but it is very striking that you have like one maybe of world that- 2 yeah, I was going to say World 2, but it's very striking that you have a couple of uh, objectives. It's striking that uh, you have all these like objective types that you see in World 1 that just never show up in the rest of the game. There's like four different worlds, uh, plus a DLC one I've not played yet. I've heard mixed uh, impressions on it. And then there's like these side quests that have their own objectives, and some of them are interesting. It's like, why are these completely optional? Why isn't there more variety in the matches? Because it's like I kind of enjoyed the fact that there was different things to do in the first world. Like, like obviously sometimes you'd have a bog standard kill every enemy. Sometimes it would be okay. You need get to get to a place. Get to a place, and there was like a really good level. I think my favorite level in the game is in lead up to the first boss where there's like a huge level, like kind of like a rat maze you have to go through to like get to the end. And it's like, you're basically being surrounded by enemies. You can't go up to them. You basically have to take pot shots at them. Like it, I, I don't know if you, if you remember the one I'm talking about, but was it the one I'm trying to, it was like rem- a dining hall. thing. Yeah. The dining hall. I, I remember that as well. Cause I thought that was really strong. Because yeah. it's very tight corridors, and again, you're surrounded by enemies, and you're getting chased down, and it's really, it's really good. Um, yeah, to kind of, I guess, adjust what I said earlier. Uh, while yet they introduce a couple new things in World Two, like a couple enemy types. By the end of World Two, you've basically seen all the enemy types in the game. But you, the you game have seen all the enemy types. They don't introduce a single new one, and they uh, just recolor World them. Yeah, they just recolor them. But in World 1, you've hit the peak of quality. And the problems come from, like, when you finish World 2, I don't know about you, James, I was in the, like, mindset of, like, okay, cool, I'm, like, done with the first maybe quarter of the game. Or, like, the first third of the game, and I'm gonna, like... So, the second world, typically in games like this, it's not great, but, you know, there's still a lot left. No, you've hit the halfway point. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of it comes down to the fact that, uh, so the the two main characters that are added in Tactica, you have Toshiro and you have Arena, 
it feels like by the ending of uh, World 2, the majority of Toshiro's um, character development has already happened. And since the plot is literally just like only about his character development, it feels like they're free. They freak out and it's like, okay, we need to just like fast track to the end of the story, even though there's two more worlds left, but like world three is just world three. is So nothing from a game. It's nothing. And then world four is like, okay, there's going to basically be, no story. It's just like one giant climactic. Uh, do I didn't I didn't even count the number. Repl- refight all the old bosses as well. Just yeah, new oh, annoying mechanics. It no, it it falls <laughs> so hard in the second half of the game. Like I I like the some of the story stuff in World Three, but like I I maybe like this is a hot take or maybe like I I don't know how like but. Like, I, I think one of the most boring map designs you could have in an SRPG is Volcano. Like, aesthetically. Yeah. Yeah, and something like that. It makes no sense with where you are going in the third world. Like, the setup of the third world, and then all of your stages are... It takes place in a volcano, kind of. It That has nothing to do with anything. It just looks murky and red and, and right, whatever because and here's the thing it's like each of the worlds is called a kingdom but really that only works for the first two because the third is just like a bog standard it's basically just the metaverse it's basically just the metaverse yeah and then the Sauceless last one metaverse it, it's by like metaverse you it, just it, mean uh me- like moment mementos or whatever or no yeah yeah okay. basically very very similar like uh it's just I don't know. Like, you can kind of feel where the game's budget went, because, like, the first world, you have all of these, like, elaborate cutscenes, like, almost every other mission, uh, whether it's, like, a really well-animated, like, 3D animation, or it's a 2D animation, like, like an actual, like, 2D animation, and then you don't really see any of that in World 2. You do see some, like, CGs, but it's just, that's, like, one image. And then... World three and four, it's like, you know, wait. world three almost strikes me as if they had two different worlds and they had to jam them into one. Yeah, yeah. Like they had all the maps and textures built up because that's the thing. Uh, just for, if people don't know, um, in a kingdom, all of your stages essentially have a lot of the same layouts, but just moved around and changed up a little bit, which that, is fine because yeah, they do fun gimmicks with it so it seems like they had this like lava kingdom they had planned and then they didn't get any of like the story stuff done for that and then they had this school kingdom planned but they didn't get any of the gameplay things for that so you just walk into a door into a lava world and those are your stages okay um but uh, i i have played the dlc oh i played like an hour of the dlc uh, I quite like it so far. I've heard from a friend that it's like the story is pretty non-existent, but uh, I could say the same for about most of the game. Uh, yeah. So I don't really mind that. Uh, Akechi's here and I like him. Uh, they're fucking when he meets the antagonist of the world, he basically says to, like he tells them to kill themselves immediately. And I'm like, that's my boy. There he is. <laughs> He's up to his rat boy games again. Um, but what's really striking is from a gameplay perspective, this is the most interesting thing I played in the entire game. 
and, and it's DLC that like yeah, if you and it's twenty dollar <laughs> yeah. DLC on top of the what sixty dollar MSRP of the game yes. already. I At- can I just go on a quick like complaint? Yes. Atlas has become like really brazen and bad with their DLC strategies. Like mm-hmm. day one, twenty dollar, ex- you know, DLCs. There's always like cheat DLC and costume DLC and like get free personas or whatever. It's just even like I remember, you know, SMT five had it, Soul Hackers had it, the Nocturne remaster had it. Like yeah. they just do all these cheese. Like- yeah, I mean, see, Atlas has some of the worst DLC practices. I, I would say it's not even just a DLC. I mean, Atlas has always been kind of bad when it comes to monetization. Like, they were the only publisher that regularly released games for $50 on yep. a 3DS and Vita. Atlas Tax. And not to mention, Persona 3 Reload is a $70 game on PS4 and Xbox One. I think it's coming to Xbox One. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So it's um, like... What's really wild, though, is Strikers released relatively, like, clean from a lot of this stuff. There was, like, a music DLC, but that was really it. Like, there wasn't any... Like, that game felt like a complete package, which had me almost thinking, it's like, okay, maybe Atlas is, like, coming around on a lot of this stuff. And then you have Tactica, which feels like a $40 game. That's uh, Omega Force, baby. Yeah, they're uh, fair with their players. (laughs) <laughs> that, that actually is an interesting point that Tactica is, as far as I understand, internally developed. You could easily see this being like, oh, Atlas, Sega kind of contracted some other developer to make it. It feels uh, like they did. Yeah, but it yeah, but seems no, like it's, it's internal. And, you it's know, P-Studios. It, yeah. like, literally, when you boot it up, it says it's P-Studios. So this okay. was internally uh, developed. So you, the, I, I know like Atlas yeah. has done strategy games before with like Devil Survivor, but... And I know the teams shuffle around and whatnot. As far as I understand, that Devil Survivor team, you know, years and years later, was behind Soul Hackers too, which was last year. So, I thought Devil Survivor was an outside studio. At least the DS versions were. I'm trying to remember never. the studio. Um, but for regardless, they still have some like head creatives. Mm-hmm. That are Atlas internal, and they move those around. Yeah, because they because they 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 split off like the 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 Studio Zero split off right. from P Studio to make uh, Metaphor. Oh, it was um CareerSoft. They did the Langrisser games. Okay, and uh, they uh, either co-developed or just mainly developed de- the Devil Survivor games. So let, let's uh you know for people who are like what does Tactica play like so. There's one of those like weird things where like I call it a tackle R- RPG. It's not necessarily like a grid-based strategy RPG. Like it's not like what you think of like Fire Emblem or Final Fantasy Tactics. This is very much. It's not. It's like it. It, it may even like look like XCOM to some people. But it's not really like XCOM either. It's like it rabbits. To, yeah, yeah. I'd say it's more like yeah Mario and rabbits when it comes to a gameplay equivalent. And I think. You know, I've only barely started. I'm only like the first hour, and I think Chow got two hours of Persona Five Tactica. And I'm sure me and Chow are like, you know, we're still like the honeymoon period of this until everything <laughs> apparently kind of falls apart. Hey, I I am playing this through means where my friend has bought the entire package of the game with the mm-hmm. DLC and everything in there, and then he's sharing it with me. But I was like wondering, you know, if I paid for this, I would feel pretty ripped off. At least that's in my opinion. <laughs> I didn't pay for it, and I kind of feel like I'm feeling that as well, though. Like, it, 
I, and it's wild because again, I am like the persona guy. I play like I bought those dancing games for five and three on launch, and I'm like one of the few people who actually loves those games. Like genuinely had an amazing time with them. Think they're better than four dancing, like all that. Like I I was so primed to be in on everything about this, but it just feels like they released a game that wasn't really finished mm-hmm. and does not feel worth the 60 bucks. Yeah. So you're, um, you're thinking like this, this be a stronger game. If it was like, if you just waited like for a sale for it, it'd be more mm-hmm. appropriate. Or, or it's, get it on game perfect, pass. it's a perfect game pass game. You know, thinking yep. about it, that's probably why the DLC is the way it is. Yes. I was so, I'm glad you picked up on that as well, James, because this is a, I wanted to use this as a soapbox to give a theory mm-hmm. that oh, I've heard this. I am, <laughs> yeah, I am pretty sure again, there, there's no, like no one come after me. There's no proof on this at all. This is just my observations. Basically uh, just vibes by vibes and just kind of understanding like industry trends and seeing this and also like a dragon Gaiden where they didn't have as much like scummy, like DLC stuff there, but in both instances, it feels like they had small, like they're, they're basically said, hey, like I um, assume that Phil was like, Hey, Sega, give us game pass games. Uh, and they were like, okay, cool. So game pass doesn't really make developers long time lucrative. Like, you know, like that is not a consistent income source, you know, cause the, it's free for people. Um, I imagine they just get like a bulk of money and they can put it on other systems if they want. Also but what marketing, it, so. also marketing, yeah. But so what it seems like Sega was like, okay, two small budget games off of two of our most popular franchises that essentially exist to be on Game Pass. Uh, we need to make them cheap, but we still need to sell them for a pretty decent price elsewhere. I think Persona was definitely a bit more egregious. Like Gaiden, this probably should have launched at 50 max. But they, I, well, they didn't, did it? I, I did I launch for 50. Yeah, Gaiden launches 50. And yeah. uh, I'm, I don't want to like start the Gaiden hate train. I think that game's fine, but Gaiden shows a lot of instances where they feel like they had very small scope ideas and they had to pad it out mm-hmm. to be yeah. a full that, release game. That's pretty much like my, 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 my conclusion on it as well. It's like, it, it's like, it's like what's there is like, okay, but like it's definitely you can feel the padding of the side content. Mm-hmm. And it's like artificially extending your playtime, and like for some people that's totally fine, and that's okay. Yeah, but like it's very, it's very, you know, it's very apparent, and like it'll make you do other side things that like don't. It's like very arbitrary. It doesn't really make sense narratively. It's just there to kind of you know once again pad out game 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 time. Yeah, and it thin, thin offering of main story. And while Tactica isn't like doing that in the same ways, it feels like they had they didn't have enough for a full game. So they just really had to pad it out with what was there and that it is, or maybe the started as a more like big scoped thing. And then they realized they had to do like, okay, so it's the game pass game, you know? And, and it's funny. Cause both of them also are like small little tastes of the franchise before the very big $70 games coming out in around the January, February time. I think they're a week apart. Yeah, that's, yeah. Also, that's also a funny thing where Sega is releasing like two of their biggest games one week apart. I um, hope it goes I well. Not every Persona fan is a Yakuza fan and vice versa, but I have to imagine there's a bit of a lot of crossover. They're both turn-based RPGs. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm no, pretty I, sure both of them are M-rated, so... Maybe, like, back when Yakuza was more of a brawler beat-em-up, there wasn't as much overlap, but nowadays, yeah, I feel like it is safe to say if you're a fan of one, you're probably a fan of the other, or you're, like, you're looking at the other and making that decision. The Venn diagram uh, is almost a circle. Yes. I, 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 yeah, there's definitely, a, a, like, a, a good, probably, install base of saying, where should I put my $70 into it? I have to make one decision because i'm not just gonna splurge on 140 dollars you know mm-hmm. that's probably why persona 3 reloads on uh game pass too is uh yakuza infinite wealth gonna be on nope. game pass nope oh interesting um that i guess that kind of makes sense but uh i i don't know what the dlc situation like is in gaiden i think it's a couple of like guys in an arena that you can play as yeah so like the pre-order bonus was basically you know you have uh majima uh daigo and i'm I'm blanking on the other dude's name that was playable in yakuza 4 um the the, they you could have them as like coliseum fighters pretty much and that's like a mini game in gaiden i don't i don't know if there's any other dlc besides that pre-order bonus um but that's all i know of and it makes sense because there's, there, there's no story co- there's no story DLC mm-hmm. like Tactica had. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense because I assume that like it is a lot harder to justify making a whole like DLC expansion for this kind of story given its context and where it stands. So they could like uh, there's also like extra offerings with Gaiden, right? Because like you have like the the infinite wealth demo uh, in, the, yeah. in there as well, so you can get like the Tokyo Game Show demo that's like very gameplay focused, and then you unlock uh, also like a story demo of that like you know it kind of is like an epilogue of gaiden and kind of like some of the events in infinite wealth that transpire so you kind of get you you're also incentivized if you're interested in infinite wealth you're incentivized to get gaiden if you want to like try out demo exactly um, which like which like in, in, in tactica like you know there's no demo like persona 3 reload or they should have done that that would have been so smart Hire me, Sega. I've got the good ideas. Uh, but like it. But you see, the demo is uh, Game Pass. <laughs> For real. <laughs> but with Persona, I just get this idea that they were like, okay, but we can actually probably get away with selling a $20 little mini game, like four to five hour long DLC, because it's got these two characters that people want. Uh, I think what maybe maybe they always plan this to be DLC. But it, it really feels like the DLC was planned to be a part of the game, or maybe like some kind of. Maybe this was meant to be a kingdom in its own that had Akechi and Kasumi, or maybe Akechi and Kasumi were added after the fact. Um, but yeah, it just feels like this should have been in the main game because there's so little variety in gameplay already. It's also but, like you when you were telling us earlier before the podcast started. It's like it's also very weird that like, if, okay, let's say you do get the DLC, like how things transfer over back into the full game. Seems oh yeah, awkward as well. So uh, detail it for people who don't know, like what so, you actually get from doing the DLC. Because from what you told us, like the DLC is fully standalone. It has its own story. It has its own like like stages and its own yeah. character. Like you know, you, you can't like bring like your your current full game main game roster into the DLC um, because it, it's, it, it's a, very restricted in what you can deploy. Mm-hmm. It's a prequel story to the main game, but not that that really matters much. 
Uh, but essentially, after you hit credits on the um, the DLC story, you get a little pop up that says, OK, cool. You can play these characters in your main game in New Game Plus. It's like, what? Why? Yeah, that, yeah that's also like a, a very like that, that's just not something that's like that kind of makes a lot of sense. You know, it's like, yes, I, I, th- these cool characters that, like, you got to try out in this DLC, of course you would want to, if you want to play more of them, because, like, oh, man, I want to play more of, like, uh, these characters and fill out more of their skills and whatever in the main game and, like, continue their progress. And it's like, no, you cannot play them until you beat the main game one. Like, uh, it's it's really strange. Um, it, also, I feel like, like some of the best music in the game is locked behind that DLC. My god. <laughs> That's another thing. There is a surprisingly small amount of vocal battle themes in this game. Like, James, I don't know if you felt the same. I feel like there's pretty much three that you'll hear for a majority of the game, and they stop showing up after World yeah, 2 I, until I the e- end. I was excited, and then, because, like, I'm pretty sure both the first and second main boss of the game have unique vocal teams. So I thought, oh, there's going to be a unique one for every boss. And then it just doesn't. And it's like, well, I thought that they were the same, but both of the worlds had their own unique battle themes. Yeah. And then, yeah, no. And then, um, cause that's, that's the thing. It feels like they didn't really go as hard this time on the soundtrack. Like a lot of the outside of the vocal themes, most of it's forgettable. Like the battle themes that don't have vocals in them are very like just boring. Uh, I just kind of at some point put on like podcasts or YouTube videos when playing this game because I was waiting for more of the battle, like the battle themes because they're really cool. And they just, yeah, they just drop that in World Three. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. It feels yeah, like a know. fractured product. Yeah, and I feel like you've been nothing but negative. So I do want to stress again. It's still a fine game. It's no, just it's like, just yeah. There's like, nothing to talk about. Yeah, if you have Game Pass, it's worth playing. Like we said earlier, it's it's short. Like it's like as far as like an RPG is, it's short. It's not like Super Mario RPG short, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like yeah, like like we mentioned earlier, like I think the the strongest part about the game, which is the gameplay part, which you know is a pretty significant part of any game, right? You you want to have fun playing the the game, and I think the the implementation of like ideas on a tactical level is pretty interesting here because like we mentioned earlier it's kind of more like mario rabbits where you have this but it's a, a a character's turn you sort of have like these xcom like uh lines that uh show the like the the well, the perimeter of like where they can move to and but you have free control uh direct control over where you move that character and whether it be uh, uh behind cover and there's half cover and full cover you can choose to like um you know you shoot your firearm from behind like cover or you can go and melee enemies and this is a, an interesting choice because when you uh say you go up to an enemy and you go melee them out of out of cover you take uh, their spot out of where they were and you also leave them out of the open uh where they're in a state where you can do a critical attacks and that'll lead to like uh, a one more situation so you can actually stack you know additional turns because of you know pushing them out into the open with a melee thing and you, and you can also do this like with persona attacks as well where persona attacks will ignore cover and you can like uh push past them past their cover and uh, push them out into the open um you know this is all based on like the very very limited time that i got to play like in the opening 
stages, I'm sure the this whole dynamic is fleshed out more. There is um, also um, the game. this seems like it might be if you're if you if you, the strategy in the game in terms of like if you figure if you really learn how to play it, if you like knock an enemy down and then you surround them with your three characters, you can do a try attack. I mean a an all out attack. <laughs> like in that whole triangle and you can if you're pretty smart in your positioning you can pretty much encompass almost like a whole battlefield in one of these triangle attacks and wipe out lots of enemies at a time it's also pretty interesting like when it comes to movement because like you're not locked by like uh like a, a strict character turn order like you can mm-hmm, move right. a character and then switch to another character and position them and then go back or go to another character and position that you can keep kind of like do making like find like minute like positioning movement positions uh yeah as long as that like as long as your character has not used all of like their actions they have available you can move them around in your phase so like you can really like they're like it's things like that where there's so many neat little like details that just feel so good to play in the moment like there are a few uh like some of the side quests that you can do like the side missions that ha- that do kind of play up some of the mechanics, like making sure you really know how to use them. Uh, I've only done roughly, I'm almost done with the first world. Um, but some of the early quests, there's like, get to the end of this kind of stage within one turn. And you don't have enough movement to make it from one end of the stage to the other in one turn. So what you do is you use like your t- t- other two characters to like set up en- enemies on the field. And then you move your third character and get like your critical hits, your one mores on them. So you get like extra movement. So there's a few yeah, kind of neat things like that where it's yeah, like, the side quests are like yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, those are my favorite, like well, at least gameplay wise, are my favorite parts of the game because they really stress your like uh, knowledge of the combat system. And it really kind of showcases how much thought was put into the gameplay, which is what makes everything else a bit more frustrating. <laughs> they feel right. like puzzles, which I really like when SRPGs do. It's why Disgaea 4 is one of my favorites because every stage feels like a little puzzle and not like a strategy game of sorts. It's neat. I like it's a fun way to like take a spin on the gameplay they add. Yeah, so yeah. I yeah, I I think that's I I kind of understand for that frustration, but I think both uh Colin and James like they see glimpses of like what could have been a really excellent game in this because of the like the, the core strength of the gameplay and like seeing the all all the surrounding parts of the of the game kind of crumble apart over time and it's like fuck there could have been a really 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 cool game yeah like as an overall package uh here and i i understand that frustration they uh, made me pay 20 dollars to hear lotus juice and he's barely in the song <laughs> that's on. crazy that's crazy Zero out of actually. 10 and that's man and it just it's just i don't know how you you kind of communicate the atlas at this point it's like please stop being really shitty their monetization because it just it just could progressively getting worse as time goes on because that's people pay for it the people people you know they they're re- that they're, they're not discouraged from doing it because it it gets them results you know and, and i'm sure this is a much easier pill to swallow if you let's say got the game for free on game pass which is what i assume most people are doing so they're like, okay, well, we got to get like, we, we got to still make money off of those people. Like, I imagine most of the uh, DLC sales for this game are going to be from people who got it on Game Pass. Because it's like, imagine you got this game for free. 
you didn't you didn't pay any money for tactica so it twenty dollars for this little thing right here that's not that bad but if you pay like it's a lot better than paying like 80 like 80 for this content as much as i like the dlc that's not worth it like get it on game pass wait for a sale just i just don't think it's it it's really a full price kind of game and i'm looking at i'm looking at persona 3 reloads um steam page right now it's a 70 dollar game with an 80 dollar deluxe edition and a 100 dollar premium edition all digital and then yeah, like some of these are going to be included in those editions but there's already 10 dlc things listed like three costume sets two persona sets two bgm or three three persona sets two bgm sets which is like okay that's fun <laughs> and then there's like one unannounced thing that they're like you know kind of keeping under wraps and anybody's it might be story dlc for all of me too. oh wait they are I haven't heard about that. There, there's like one un- unannounced thing for, for DLC for Persona 3. I don't, I don't know if they've ever announced it, but last time I checked, it was unannounced. Interesting. Yeah. It'll um, be, uh, you'll play a campaign with Strega. It's, <laughs> it's fascinating how like Persona 3 Reload has the pre-order chart like on the website. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but what's uh, wild is that it's like, well, I'm not saying it's like, oh no, it's fine when they do it for reload. At the very least, if when I'm buying reload, I, my my seventy dollars are getting me like what I am going to guess is like a hundred thirty, like hundred to hundred thirty hour RPG, like a really meaty experience. Yeah. So I, my brain can kind of like justify like okay, like seventy dollars is still a lot for a game. If you don't want to spend seventy for a game, I'm not like you know it's whatever. I. I think you're justified for doing that. Um, the, the, the cynical approach is like, because, like you already know what you're expecting because you've played this game before. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but your, your, your argument is that Tactica is maybe less than 30 hours long and it's a like $60, $80 game. Yeah. It's a $60 game with about 10 hours of unique content. <laughs> and a DLC pack day one DLC. With five hours of content. It just doesn't line up. Like yeah. I, it's just I, I'm. I was disappointed. Uh, like again, I think the game is still good. Like it, we have been harping on it. Uh, I don't want to make anybody like confused, but just like, yeah, someone who is typically like immune to like how like rough Atlas's DLC practices are, because overall, like I know I'm getting a good game that I like. This this one just kind of hit me. It was like this just feels weird. <laughs> That's also because of the legacy of Persona Five Strikers as well, which is like mm-hmm. a really, really good spinoff game. Well, like, because it's, it isn't. Well, it's technically not a spinoff; it's a canon sequel. But but regardless, like yeah. as a, it is still like the position it serves in the series is Persona Five spinoff. But it's just a very good game. Like while playing this, I was thinking, I wasn't thinking, oh, I got to play more Tactica. I was like. I really want to replay Strikers, or I really want to replay Royal. Um, I'm just going to mention that I really, really love Persona Q2, but I'm also like, oh, that game's great. I'm also yeah. like a dungeon RPG head, so I, I like both. Of, I actually like both the Q games more than the mainline games, but that's just more of a genre preference for me. So, Q2 is one of the better spinoffs in the series. It's a shame that it's stuck on 3DS and then bombed horribly. So Atlas is probably <laughs> never going to remaster it. Well, I mean, they remastered Atrium Odyssey, so there's some. There's some Not chance. in the 3DS games, though. I I, I I wonder what they were expecting for that Atrium Odyssey remaster in terms of like 
effort they put into it, sales they expected, you know, because Etrian Odyssey I love, but like, I don't know. I wonder what they, what they God, have planned if we for really it. Want, if we really want to talk about Atlas pricing, the fact they yep. did that oh. remaster trilogy and it's like $90, sir or madam, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> If yeah, you bought one but, Etrian Odyssey game, it's $40. It, it's like, the, just, 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 it, listeners, if you want to get into Etrian Odyssey and you, you only have $40 to buy one of those three games on Steam or, or Switch, just play three. Yep, yep, you know that's one. probably going to be a lot cheaper for like Black Friday sales, though. Yeah, but but it's, 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 I, I think it's just one of those weird things where the Etrian Odyssey like re-release, like... Those are fine games, but like I think, like we were talking about, like the the, the biggest like thing working as is the monetization structure for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna buy it until I saw the price. I was like, "Fuck no!" I already have the DS version, so I was yeah. like, "Forget it." Oh, it's just wild, very wild. I um, uh, I bought them on Steam on launch only because there was like a uh, Green Man Gaming sale where it made them like sixty bucks. It's still pretty stupid, but that I, is still pretty like yeah. I, I just I, like, I, I'm not in any rush to re- replay. Like I, I really love three, um, but I'm not in any rush to replay it. You know, but if if, if there's a brand new Etrian Odyssey game up there day one, do they announce the sales for the remasters? No, we have no idea. We don't know. It, oh. It's probably sold. It's probably sold well Fine. enough, but it's like. It's also going to be like hard to like track down their sales too because of the way that Sega reports that it's like it's my series, right? And it's like they would say actually an Odyssey series. Uh, so sold. sometimes Sega will individually announce milestones, like they recently announced uh, Strikers hitting two million. But in their financial reports, they always group it by franchise. So yeah, it's like, and I don't even know if they sp- they usually don't mention Etrian Odyssey because they don't release an Etrian Odyssey every year. But they have like Yakuza sales, Persona sales, Sonic sales. They're all as like just grouped as like a franchise rather than individual titles. So you have to do your own guesswork on like, okay. Yeah, like they're like the Persona (laughs) 5 series has sold 9 million. And we're like, well, we know that Strikers is two of that million. And we know Royal is like three of that million. And I guess let's just kind of guess dancing was like, I don't know, a few hundred thousand, maybe a million. Five copies. (laughs) So yeah, it's you kind of have to like sort of do the do the estimating and the math about which copy actually sold. And also one kind of weird thing about uh, they separate like Persona Five Royal and Persona Five Royal Remaster. They call like the ports a remaster, like financially. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that is weird. Like they they, um, they, they make a distinction. I mean, Capcom does that whenever they release uh, remasters too. Yeah, like if you go to Capcom's uh, top best-selling games, like Resident Evil Four or Five are on there like three or four different times because they they count them as separate releases. And I don't mean I don't mean just like Resident Evil like or remake, which is clearly a different game. I mean like yeah. Resident Evil Five and then Resident Evil Five Gold Edition and then like Resident Evil Five. Like, yeah, think about how many times Resident of... Evil Four got released on how many platforms yeah. since it's like GameCube release. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. Um, Apparently, you can get reload on key sites like official ones for like sixty bucks right now. Yeah, I was looking into Target. that too. There you go, the huge, huge discount. The, it's always weird, like because uh, like the the quote unquote standard price that gives that seventy dollars. So it's like you have a sale and it's sixty dollars and it's on sale. Well, I mean, yeah. I knowing Colin, especially since he ordered a, a Steam Deck OLED. Yes. 
He's gonna play Persona Three Reload on that thing. <laughs> okay, so since we're on the topic, so Steam Deck OLED pre-orders came out this week. I didn't really, I, I wasn't in the in the market to get an OLED immediately. How what was what was it like? Getting the site died for thirty minutes. The site mm-hmm. died for thirty minutes, and then in the next within the next hour, people realized that Valve had completely uh, trolled scalpers. I'm pretty sure, like yesterday. You could still buy a limited edition. I'm going to check right now and see if it's still in stock as of noon Pacific um, on Saturday. So let's see. You can still buy a limited edition. Okay. All right. That's pretty good. That's that's way better than when that's the the initial wave of Steam Deck pre-order. So wasn't there like this guy on Twitter that bitched about that? Yeah. (laughs) Print more and it's not limited. Like, how dare you, Steve? He he went into my replies because I was like, "Wow, this is still like available like nine hours later." And he was like, "Man, I I'm gonna get a refund. It's not limited enough." And I just quote retweeted with a screenshot. I was like, "This is one of the most pathetic replies I've ever gotten." <laughs> it's not limited <laughs> enough. Oh. Okay. Well. But also, James, uh, you you are correct. I do plan to play this mostly on my OLED. Having said that. I did buy that, I guess, edition for PS5. I just oh, want that I, I statue. I did too, I did too, actually. <laughs> that, that copy is probably going to either go to my roommate or just stay, like, wrapped. I just wanted that statue. That I plan to play this entire that- thing, either on my Series S or, which I, I doubt, probably mostly going, like, it's it is verified. Ver- yeah, it's Steam Deck oh, verified. So it's I like, need- it, it's been verified for at least a month, so... That is like at the moment, out of all those games coming out in that period of time, because it's slammed with releases at the beginning of next year. It's Persona Three for me. It's a hard choice, but that's going to be the one I put all my time into. Uh, yeah. I, look, I, I, yeah, I don't uh, blame anyone for picking which camp they want. There's like there's like six different camps. Uh, <laughs> uh, early next year, of like which long ass RPG do you want to play? <laughs> um, so, and meanwhile, yeah. we have like. I'm going to be playing Banishers, and Josh is going to be playing the Thaumaturge. Thaumaturge. Hell yeah! Uh, I the I'm, gonna be, camp. <laughs> I'm going to be playing uh, Shuren the Wanderer, assuming we don't get a code from the Japan side. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but going also, to be basic and play the big games. But, but also, I'm also doing Infinite Wealth reviews, so I mean, I also have... I'm tossing yeah. my hat in that camp because I'm... And there wasn't there some quote from some interviewer they're like, if you play Infinite Wealth and Marathon it, you're going to make yourself sick because it's so long. It's like, why do you oh, hate right. reviewers? Thank you. <laughs> That's it's exactly like, what I want to hear. So surely Sega will be better. Some, some people, some people will read that and be like, "Hell yeah, that sounds awesome." I read that and it's like, this game's pacing is probably gonna be dog shit. We'll see. I don't know. I'm scared. Uh, hopefully, uh, Sega releases review codes for Infinite Wealth uh, very early. Hopefully, tomorrow. Actually, that would be uh, that'd awesome. Be that'd be great. I hope they do the same for that and Strikers because you mean Reload? Stri- yeah, three Reload. My bad, Reload. <laughs> where it's like these are massive games that every site is gonna want to like cover. Please give people time. You gotta imagine that it's like almost ready if they've already verified it on Steam Deck. Well, what you may not realize is Yakuza Like a Dragon, it's number seven. That code was late, <laughs> and yeah, very, very late. Long. And yeah. then they deleted Josh's uh, save file at the end, just just to rub it in. Yeah, yeah. That's that the fucked up thing about it. It's like if you didn't get the PC, uh, the the PC version of Yakuza Like a Dragon review in time on launch day, or, or, or the embargo day, they deleted saves. 
So like, you nope, either you were, you were eighty percent of the way through the game. Sorry, you're you're yeah. now you're zero percent of the way yeah. through the game. Yeah, nice. Jesus, so I, I got it done, but man, it was it was a brutal it was a brutal review process for that one. Yeah, not gonna point any fingers, name any names, but there's also some anxiety like internally about it. Some other RPGs are coming up that no code's been sent out yet. It's like, mm-hmm. oh god damn it, yeah. I'm in danger. <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, Persona Five Tactica, Steam OLED, and uh, review the game code, industry. Uh, resistance. Uh, yeah, game industry. By the way, yeah. that everyone make it sound. You know what this feels like? This feels like watching a Dragon Ball Z movie. Not not super Dragon Ball Z movie, where it can't take place canonly, but it's too short to be like the main experience. Oh, for yeah. Tactica? Yeah, yeah, Tactica is total filler. Yeah, it's it's so weird where they decided to place it because I guess it takes place like a day after you fight Shido. That's like the only time it really could take place. Not to mention, like, again, not a real big spoiler. The way that the game ends literally writes it out of having any sort of relevance whatsoever in the in the greater like Persona Five storyline. Yeah, sounds it's, about right. It's so funny. I mean, it, it, like, yeah, they, these videos should always be like taken, like you know, the, they, they should never be taken as like this. Should this is the new real canon? Because like you know, Atlas, like you know, back in Persona Q and Q two, they're like, yeah, these are canon games. They they totally happen. It's like, ah, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, they, totally no, they, they literally the said Persona Q is canon, even though the end of Persona Q is. We're all gonna forget about this. Okay. <laughs> and it took guys. place in like a hyperbolic time chamber or something, so it didn't actually take any time. Oh yeah. It's just well, appreciate them for what they are, and don't think about like yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah. Don't, 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 yeah, canon. We all love canon. Like, like even even in Strikers was like you know a quote unquote canon sequel. It's like, are we ever going to see those cool characters again in it? Probably not. There, there's going to be like a Strikers two where they somehow explain like why Kasumi wasn't there and like why right. no one, why no one bothered to mention her. She's like, oh yeah, I was traveling and. You guys just didn't want to bother me or even think about me. That's yeah. that's the canon explanation. They, they asked if she wanted to go on the road trip, and she was busy that week. I was at a gymnastics competition. Duh. They, they if they ever did that, they would announce exactly what's gonna, how they're going to explain it in one line, and then the game will go on. Okay. So you know. So yeah, that's uh, Persona Five Tactica uh, now out on pretty much every platform. I think it's on Switch. Yeah, it's on Switch too, right? Yeah, it is on Switch. It's fine on there. Mm-hmm. Load times are really bad. <laughs> mm. Okay. There you go. Uh, moving on, we have uh, a remake for Super Mario RPG. Um, I believe Scott wrote the review for us, right, Adam? Yep. And then, oh, you know, and that that's, you know, he was a very big fan of Super Mario RPG back then, and he said, you know, like like the original, there's still one of the best beginner RPGs, so if you're just looking to see what the genre is about super mario rpg is a pretty good gateway into that because like it like you know for for us for who really want deep rpg mechanics super mario rpg isn't really that kind of game um it's very it's a very simple very charming uh rpg that contextualizes the world of mario into what if you know we took the mechanics of mario into an rpg uh format uh i know you've been uh uh, working on guides and other um, stuff for that, Adam, on Super Mario RPG. What do you think about this remake? Uh, I guess just to 
for context, I never played the original version on Super Nintendo because I never had a Super Nintendo. My first console was Nintendo 64. So I did play the original version when it came out like on the Wii Virtual Console in 2007 or 8 or whenever that was. So I like went back and played it. And this was after I had played like Paper Mario, Super Mario and Luigi and those games that are different like kind of development teams because one of those is uh, Intelligent Systems. One of those is Alpha Dream. Rest in peace. But like, so I kind of came to it after the fact and just I'll admit I'm not a huge fan of the original game. I think it's fine, but like, I think I had already played so many like RPGs and at, uh, at that point where it's just kind of like, okay, this is sort of like you said, an intro level RPG and you know, it's meant for, it seems like targeting younger audience, people who don't really play RPGs, things like that. So it wasn't really... I wasn't really in that audience, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's fine. Um, I actually do prefer, I think, just the Paper Mario and Mario Luigi games. You know, not all of them. Like Sticker Star is awful, but uh, just awful. kind of broadly, <laughs> I will take every opportunity I can to say that Sticker Star is terrible. But anyway, <laughs> so but yeah, it's a very charming, kind of quirky RPG, and you can imagine back in the day when like Mario was, you know, the side scroller game. And then you had like classic Final Fantasy games. Like you would never even think of these in the same breath. Like, oh, these are two different genres from two different places. And then all of a sudden it's like Square Enix is making a Mario RPG. It's like, what? (laughs) Where did that come from? Um, So kind of this crossover you never expected. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. So, yeah, to to, to, to contextualize that, like the the Super Nintendo original version, Squaresoft, yeah. Made Mario. Or Square, I said Square Enix. Square Soft, yeah, I said Square Enix. Yeah, so, Square Soft. yeah, yeah. And this, this one, we don't exactly know who made this new remake of Super Mario RPG. Uh, if I understand correctly, Plaza, is it? Like, we know now. Plaza. They were, they oh, were okay. kind of, they were very uh, coy about it. It's Art Piazza, which is the uh, team that developed like several of the Dragon Quest DS and 3DS like remake slash ports as well as like the Romancing Saga 2 and 3 ports, like the modern yeah. versions of those. And all of those ports, for the most part, are pretty well done uh, in terms of I was of, playing like, Dragon Quest Four last night. Uh, I've been doing that to like prepare for uh, Dark Prince. And yeah, that's like a really great version of the game. Yeah. I think um, the DS versions are probably better than the PS2 version. Yeah, you just got that party chat issue with 4. Um, which you can actually not, get a patch yeah. yeah you, can, you patch. can play the mobile version and now there is a patch that requires right. a game shark code to work properly <laughs> that's awesome that's, <laughs> that's how i've been playing oh, game it shark. anyways uh, yeah. It, so yeah they for some reason nintendo just like refused to say that this was the developer and ign uh rebecca valentine is that her name uh, actually put up just kind of like an editorial about this where they like basically reached out to Nintendo about, hey, who is developing this? Uh, looks like it might be Art Piazza. And they basically just wouldn't say. And then even when it leaked, they're like, please don't say this in your review. And it's like, why? Why are you hiding this? That, that's crazy that they actually said, please don't say this. Yeah, in your they, they, uh, I think one of the uh, people who commented who writes for another site, they were asked literally, don't say who developed this. Like straight out. Why? It's like, <laughs> Why? And um, we've actually have talked about this before on some podcasts, I believe, with like Square Enix sometimes isn't always so upfront about who's developing what. Sometimes they are. 
Like they were pretty upfront about Gem Drops developing the Star Ocean remake, which is great. Yeah. But there yeah, are a few didn't times. Yeah, we did not know who was developing Harvest Stella until I think it came out. And same with like uh, Paranormal Site and a couple years back, Trials of Mana remake, which those are both Zine, or if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But yeah. Um, and then I think we learned that uh, Toy Logic is making, uh, what's it called? The Splatoon, not the not Splatoon game. Oh, the, oh gosh. Homestar? Yes, Homestar. Yeah, Homestar. Yeah, but they were, but they were also, but they were pretty upfront with the with the near remake. The, yeah, so, but so yeah, sometimes Square Enix is in that in, is in that boat. But anyways, yeah, so this game is being developed by Art Piazza. I actually looked up what this team has done because I re- I recognize the name. I'm like, oh yeah, they did those Dragon Quest ports and they, they did those Romancing Saga ports. What have they done recently? I'm curious. And if you go to Wikipedia, there's nothing listed past 2019, which is when the Romancing Saga three port came out. So they've probably been working on this since at least like 2020. Yeah, or may, they, they might. I know sometimes these support studios, sometimes they might be contracted to work on stuff where they're not in the credits. That happens sometimes where they're like their name is not slapped on it in any way. <laughs> so there might have been working on stuff that we'll never know about. But yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they weren't credited for anything on for the last couple of years um, until this. Which they are credited. If you get, once you get to the credits of the game, you'll you'll get you'll see all the staff from both Nintendo and Art Piazza about Nintendo this. Nintendo does not does not want you to mention it to anyone. Yeah, that they don't don't <laughs> mention it. We're gonna get in trouble for mentioning it. That's it. Anyways, right, um, so the remake, the remake, um, it's not like a ground up remake. It's kind of in the vein that remake stir vein of like the Xenoblade uh, re release, where it's pretty much the same skeleton same dialogue same map design and you know everything else um but all with a completely different visual style and coat of paint um the original game was like sort of um it kind of had that like 2d 3d kind of look almost like the donkey kong country games in a sense where it was 2d but kind of faked it to make it sort of look 3d in places and then um this version is obviously fully 3d for 3d rendered but the layouts are the same. You can pretty much follow like a walkthrough of the original game and it'll work here because everything's the same um, in terms of just like structure. But obviously completely new visuals, very good looking. Um, it does take, it took me just a, a little while to get used to like the really stubby Mario, like really short, really short arms, yeah. really short legs Mario. And he's already kind of stubby. He's even more stubby now. Um, the game does add uh, those, like, it adds a few kind of fully rendered, like, full-on 3D cutscenes. Um, they're just, like, little minor scenes, and there's no voice acting or anything. Um, but, like, when you first meet Mallow in the Mushroom Kingdom, he's getting, you know, he's chasing around Krako, who stole his coin. And before, that was just, like, a, a little, like, sequence in the original game, but now it's a full-on, like, scene. And, like, when, and when, and there's a tweet that went viral with a clip from the video from when Gino... Uh, well, Gino the star get uh, gets possessed by the star. Yeah, it's like it. Very very funny caption for that. By the way, oh, oh I saw that. I saw that tweet where it's like a toddler first learning how to walk, and they run straight. No 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 like, no. Oh. Toddlers upon uh, upon uh, gaining uh, gaining sentience, uh, going for the unexposed, well, going for the exposed corner of a table. Yeah, oh, anyone yeah, who yeah. has toddlers will understand. They seem to uh-huh. be drawn towards corner tables and anything else that could that they could bump into and hurt themselves. But anyways, um, so the game. Sure that, go ahead. Sorry, 
pretty sure that if there's anything that Square Enix themselves worked on, it was probably those videos because they look very much like the the sort of uh, pre-rendered videos that you see in Square Enix. I saw in the credits there was some company listed um, for like visuals. And, uh, you know, it's probably some smaller Japanese just like, Mm. you know, video visual house that kind of helped out on that. I don't think it was Square Enix. It might have not even Mm. been like a game developer, just like, you know, a team of artists making some sort of cinematic. I don't remember off the top of my head, but there, you know, there's, you know, in all these credits, there's always a bunch of these smaller places that contribute here and there. Anyways, this game does add a lot of quality of life stuff, which is, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Star Ocean. You know, there's like an auto save now that saves on every single screen. So if you ever die, even though it's very unlikely because it's a very easy game, you don't lose a lot of time. There's a lot of, uh, there's like a monster list now that you can see all the monsters. You can now swap members in and out of battle, which that actually is a pretty significant change in terms of, you know, combat and structure. Where before you would pick like your three characters and that would be your battle team. But now you, it's Final Fantasy X like where you're you have only three people that can participate but you can swap them out at any time for free so you're you you basically have a team of five in every battle you just have to swap them out so that's a really that's a big change there's a new change to the uh and this is actually one thing we sort of take for granted now um mario rpg was i don't know if it was the very first game but it was probably the game that is what most well known for kind of being the earliest to have like a button timing when you hit an enemy to do additional damage or an additional effect or to, or the, or on the flip side to you know protect yourself to do take a little less damage with like a button timing and that's become very commonplace that's in all the different Mario RPGs and other games like Sea of Stars that came out not too long ago have a similar mechanic and so like this Mario RPG again I don't know if it's absolutely the very first one that had it but it must have been like one of the first to have this sort of mechanic that has been changed a bit, and this is also somewhat significant in that if you do like a single target attack, like you just do like a regular attack on a normal enemy, but if you time it perfectly, it does splash damage now. And that's actually somewhat significant because it makes those sort of random encounters, well, they're not random, but those kind of those uh, those simple encounters, just regular enemies, trash mobs, they go by a bit quicker now because if you get the splash damage right, you can take out all the enemies in just a few, like one or two or three hits. So it, it also affects you know, the, the, your decision making process now uh, as well because if you if they take splash damage, you kind of get indicators of like is this enemy like low on health? It's like okay, well I won't I won't target this yeah. enemy uh, deliberately because I'll let the splash damage take care of them. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, pretty, yeah. Pretty interesting. Like uh, gameplay changes too. Pretty much make it easier than yeah. The game, the original game, was already pretty easy, and this game or this version is easier. And our review, Scott's review, as well as um, a couple others like Alex. Alex is our boss, but he wrote the review on BG two four seven. They pretty much had the same. It's sort of a criticism where it's like it's not a deal breaker. Like yeah, the game is kind of easy, even easier now, which is a little bit disappointing. It's not like this isn't like ruin this doesn't like ruin the game it's just sort of sort of disappointing that they added these mechanics but the game doesn't seem to be like balanced around them Mm. so it's even easier than it already was so that's just kind of how it is and uh one thing that is sort of like um one thing that can throw a wrench into balance in a sense is that 
every once in a while you run into an enemy that's just basically like kind of like they're like a shiny pokemon or something they're just like a random stronger version of an enemy and they have like i don't know triple the health and they do significantly more damage and they're random they're not like incredibly threatening but they can if you're not paying attention they can do some damage and so you'll run into these guys every once in a while it's just like a powered up version of an enemy and you do have to actually like focus a little bit so it's not totally you're just you know sleepwalking through battles uh they also drop frog coins which is also kind of interesting because in the original version of the game frog coins were limited you could only get so many i believe we're now because of this you can run into enemies that just drop them kind of like sp in uh, star ocean 2 used to be a limited resource now it's not and you use frog coins for uh, various things there's like a special shop that takes them that has special equipment or items or whatnot um and things like that anyways but i think the strength of the game and i think any anyone would agree with this is that it's super charming it's kind of quirky it's kind of weird like it's kind of got this sort of like bizarre like alice in wonder uh land sort of dreamy kind of weird bizarreness to it that's kind of enticing Ma mario gets insulted by a kid and Mallow has to hold him back from, <laughs> from trying to punch him <laughs> that is not an exaggeration that just it's happens true. yeah it's true very violent, this Mario fellow. I'm trying to find the GIF, but I can't. Anyways, um, <laughs> anyways, it's a very charming game, very weird. Uh, I think Bowser is like cute in a way, where he's like he's sort of like a Sundari. Yes, I, I said it. Um, where <laughs> he like tries to put on like a tough guy act, and he's like, "Well, I'm just gonna join you because uh, I need to get my castle back." Yeah, and he's trying to be like super tough guy. Um, there's this really cute animation of him like uh, crying. He's got like these like droopy tears falling off of his face, uh, which is kind of cute. But um, there's a lot of weird, goofy enemies, like uh, Booster. Booster is very strange. Croco is very strange. I always found that a very strange enemy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When do you yeah. get Bowser in your party? Booster I'm like power. prettier. I'm pretty early on. Uh, I think the game's like, you know, it's, it's good, I guess. Uh, I, I didn't play the original, so I don't have nostalgia for this one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's 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 fine. Um, may, but maybe I just need to wait for like to get more party members than just Mallow or the whatever his name is. Dino. Who is just kind of annoying. <laughs> um, How far I, have I, you gotten? I, I think I... Oh god, uh, I just got I just went back to that first little town and things are like oh, the, you know, the shy guys are there and they're taking over that. It's it's pretty early on. Uh, I typically okay. don't like so games with action prompts on, like, turn-based games that have action prompts in them. Little mm -hmm. quick time events. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think they're bad, but it doesn't click in my brain. Mm. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just I don't like it. <laughs> Right, and I'm really right. bad at doing them, so I typically don't have fun playing them. I mean, you this, see like that when you see the super jump skill, you're like, "Oh fuck this!" Exactly. It's like <laughs> I, I cannot consistently get the timing. There's like mm -hmm. a disconnect between my brain and the reaction time. Right. Like I, I get I, the timing for me personally by using how I played in Super Nintendo. But if I try to follow that exclamation mark in the screen, it fucks up my timing for some reason. 
Yeah, yeah I, that, I, I, I never use the exclamation. I, so I was playing this game through uh, Elgato capture, which adds just a little bit of lag. Oh no! So I have to like, <laughs> I have to like preempt my my button prompts. <laughs> I got to press it just a split second earlier than I would think I would have to. So that's why it, it's really funny when everyone's like, "Oh, this game's super easy." Uh, I died on the first screen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, it, it hasn't happened since, but like. Mm-hmm. It, I had a similar problem with those South Park RPGs uh, where everyone was like, oh, no, they're super, they're super easy. You don't even need to worry about anything. And I played them and I just couldn't do them. Like, it's very simple inputs, but my brain just doesn't work with it. I had Uh to play those games on easy and I still couldn't get through them. I'm guessing you never played the Mario and Luigi or Paper Mario games when you grew up then. Yeah, that explains it. Uh, Didn't play the Paper Mario games either. Yeah. I've just missed out on all these. Uh, I'm enjoying this. I think it's really cool. Uh, and once I did get into it a bit more, like, yeah, it is pretty, you don't have to think too hard about anything here. Uh, but yeah, it's, I feel like the appeal of this really is just the world and like the story and those moments of going, Oh, they adapted it. Like this Mario mechanic like that. That's cool. Yeah. So that, I see that, the that, that, Yeah. That's very much the appeal. Like, especially when you're very, you're, you're younger and you've played the Mario games. It's like, Oh, this is like this thing from Mario that I'm used to. This is how they made it into like, it contextualized it into an RPG. It's like, it's not a super long one. Like you said, you're er- early on, but I think you're like 40% through the game or something like that. No way. The level cap is 30. I'm only on level like my character's level five right now. I I don't even have like Bowser yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you Bowser, wait, 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 oh, okay. I, yeah, you don't have. Yeah, yeah you don't have. You have Gino, yeah. right? Yeah. No. no, no, no. Okay, okay. I was confused because you said that you uh, shy guy is something. So I thought you were talking about the stuff after the third star. Never mind. Never mind. Okay, yeah, you yes. had me scared for a second. I was like, oh, what? You might have the first star from Claymore. From- I don't even think I have that. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're, yeah, still, you're, you're still you're early on. Yeah, anyway, yeah, so yeah, in terms of the length of the game, it's like 12 hours, 13 hours. I think Scott wow. even said 11 hours. Is that including all the post-game? That doesn't no. include post-game. So yes, there is a new post-game. It's not that long. The post-game is interesting. It Basically, what it is, is it takes bosses from the original game, but it, it not only powers them up, but it gives them like a gimmicky mechanic and I don't want to, like, spoil this. I know that sort of sounds silly, but, like, spoiling a mechanic. But, like, here's just one example. One of the bosses you fight in the main game is Punchinello, who basically throws bombs. And what he does in the post-game version of him is he's basically invulnerable. You cannot damage him. So what he does is he throws out bombs. And he even has, like, a really coy, like, line that he says. Or not coy. It's, I should say, like, he lays it on thick, where he's like, Ha, I'm invincible! With the, the mix between my invincible body... And these bombs that can damage every anything is unbeatable. And you're like, wait a minute. Um, so what you do is you like turn around his bombs by hitting them, and then they run into him instead to damage him. So it's sort of like this kind of twist on the game mechanics where you can't just like use your most strongest attacks on him to like beat him up. You actually have to like make sure you get as many attacks in on the bombs he throws as possible to turn him around to like damage him instead of you. So there's just you know, it's just like a mildly interesting, you know, twist on the mechanics. Um, they're like a puzzle, kind of like we said earlier with Tactica, in terms of like figuring out how to how to uh, beat the post game boss. And I'll just mention another one. You fight Booster again, and Booster he's building a toy train. Booster is building a toy train, and if he finishes building it, it does 
9,999 damage to you. So you're dead. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you switch in your... And this is where you the new game mechanics come in. So it like pops in your other two party members, your reserves. So in that boss fight, you kind of have to like make sure you always have a reserve available to pop them in to revive you. And then there's like a mechanic to like slow booster down as he's building his toy train. So it's that's that's what I'm getting at is that there's kind of like these gimmicky boss fights that are post game fights, and then it ult- it ends up with a an ultimate like super game boss that's not not like crazy hard, but you know hard enough where you have to like at least strategize and use some items, uh, no more hoarding items, and things like that to beat them. So yeah, they they've added that, which is you know it doesn't take too long. You can beat them all in a in an evening sh- in an evening play session, but. It's, it's just kind of like a fun little bonus. You need Perfect. timing for them. Yeah, it helps. You can do a lot of damage yeah. with the ultra jump skill that hits multiple times. Uh-oh. <laughs> I well, can't play exciting. it then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm filtered. That's it. Yep, immediately. Colin, don't you play rhythm games and fighting games? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't get it. Like, <laughs> I think it's because it is, I am playing a turn-based RPG. Mm-hmm. I should I not be like... You want to press the attack command, and then and I want to head back. Yeah. Obvious, well, well, think about it this way, Colin. Wait a second. Didn't you play Utsuwada no Mono? Didn't like it. Oh, no. Oh, said the wrong word. <laughs> I feel like this happens frequently with me and James. We'll be like, wait a second. You've definitely played the Utsuwada no Mono games. And I'm like, no, I don't yeah. like those games. Well, anyways, okay, okay, maybe big we'll revelations on this podcast episode. But yeah, like every single Mario RPG, whether it's Paper Mario, even like some of the Paper Mario, like less RPG versions of them and Mario and Luigi, they all have action prompts. They basically all that carry forward from this game. And again, I know those are like different developers or whatnot, but some of that kind of DNA kind of filtered forward in that way. I mean, I'm like getting used to it more. It's just it is a hard adjustment period that I'm not like... Yeah, it's just it's yeah. a bit it's a bit of a learning curve. Yeah. And it's not even like, oh, just uh do this or do that. It's like, no, it's like a brain thing. I just can't well, entirely So like, call it about the, the, the final boss of Dragon Guard one, the very final boss. I haven't done it yet. That game sucks <laughs> ass. It's so fucking bad. Don't even it's get a, me started. It's okay, Colin. By the time you get used to the timing prompts for this, you'll be ready for the uh Thousand Yard War uh remakester uh early next year. Yeah, no, I'm I'm actually pretty excited about that one because uh, that's the one I continuously hear everyone go like, out of all of them, you got to play this one. You should also play Mario and Luigi, uh, Luigi Superstar Saga. Is that that's the one on Game, Game Boy? Boy? Yeah. Oh yeah, I could play. I I played a bit of that and I thought it was really uh really fun. But like, I didn't really get far. <laughs> the one, the biggest issue with the Thousand Year Door, in my opinion. Is that there's several places in the game where you have to do a bit of backtracking? But anyways, my yeah, I, hope is is that that is like if I wanted them to address anything in that game in a remake or a remaster or whatever you want to call it, it's that there's just a few there's just a few places in the game where you kind of have to retrace your steps just a little bit too frequently. Anyways, that's just an aside. So. All right. Well, the, the, any any final thoughts or uh, on Super Mario RPG? So yeah, now? we're not really the audience for this. This this game, it's sort of like I guess there's sort of two audiences. One for you know younger gamers, children, 
And I'm not I'm not trying to be like demeaning, like this is a game for kids. You're like, no, it's genuine. It's a Mario game. This is a game for kids. Like this is a, a game for people who aren't very familiar with RPG mechanics and leveling up and numbers. And they're you know, it's a very introductory game. And a lot of people our age, at least my age, like played this when it first released, and it's sort of like a nostalgia to revisit it. Now that's not me exactly because I I never played the original original version, but people my age have. Um, uh, when so I when I went to pick up my copy from my local game store, the person behind me who had pre-ordered it was obviously in his like late forties. Yeah, you could you could tell it was like a nostalgia thing for him. Mm-hmm. That's kind of Nintendo's just market nowadays. Like I'm sure back in the day it was oh yeah make games for kids. Now it's like okay. Make games for people who played it when they were kids, and kids mostly because they got the money. And yeah, kids at heart and kids, but mostly Where's kids at Fire heart. Fire Emblem Four Remake, guys, please. <laughs> Baby game. Yes, with all I could see them announcing another Fire Emblem next year because it'll it'll have been a year. Probably the like January or February direct yeah. or something. I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't expect now. it to be like I wouldn't expect it to before. be like a mainline Game one because we just got one. But you know, I think like another Echoes like re-release is very plausible. So I want it. Mm-hmm. Echoes is still my favorite Fire Emblem. I game. like Echoes I'm... a lot. It's actually kind of funny when I look at like the Fire Emblem games I reviewed. Like Echoes is the one I gave the highest score to. So it is. It is definitely even though it has like clear drawbacks because of its you know relative simplicity. Bruce. I just like the presentation and other things about it so much it's oh. just ruined by one thing desert maps but <laughs> yeah. other than that, it's still it's almost a perfect game to me it's the ideal fire emblem game it's uh, a pretty good well-rounded package engage did so little for me this year that i actually forgot it came out during the whole game awards like uh nominations oh yeah that's it'll, it'll be interesting to see our discussion of that goes on at the end of the year engages very lopsided where it's like great gameplay like systems but anything else is not (laughs) the tactica problem yeah i might say (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right well that's super mario rpg um i'll talk briefly about what i've been up to um uh color are you still good on time yeah, I was going to say, this is probably where I need to head okay. on out and get ready uh, to just do my usual mm-hmm. Saturday things. But yep. as always, uh, it has been a pleasure. Uh, I want to try to schedule things out for an upcoming game, keeping it vague to maybe pop on the back on the podcast. So mm-hmm. hopefully you won't have another, what was it like? Was it a couple months or was it a year since the last time? No, you, <laughs> it was a while. You, you were on here earlier this year for uh, October. Octopath Traveler 2. Oh, yeah. That felt like a year ago, for real, though. It was almost a year ago. It was like eight months. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll try to be back soon. Yeah. For uh, th- thanks for joining game. us, as always, Colin. Uh, always yeah. appreciated to have you here. You know, talk about games with you, so it was great. Thank you very Glad much. Glad I could uh, come out and then just uh, Pepe Silvia about the game industry. <laughs> very fun. But I will uh, talk with you again soon and uh, have fun with the rest of the podcast. Yeah, yeah thank you. Sure. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I uh, got to uh, play a new release uh, this week. I bought it and beat it on the same day, actually. Yeah, it's be a very yeah. short game then. It's, uh, it, it's called Small Saga. It's it's a Kickstarter project. It's been in development, so, uh, pretty much a solo developer uh, by the name of Daria Nogani. Um, and they recently you know, released it uh, a few days ago. 
And yeah, it's it it's MSRP is twenty dollars USD, uh, and I beat it in six and a half hours. Uh, does it have day, Does it have day one DLC? Does not have day one DLC. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, it was a pretty solid experience. It is a turn-based RPG. It's relatively simple. Um, like you know, like Super Mario RPG is a pretty relatively simple game. I think I think one of my main complaints about the game is like enemies feel like they die too fast. Uh, by by like uh, once you reach the halfway point, like you kind of once you get a a solid party and develop their skills, and you have. You start developing a game plan. It's pretty easy to shred through HP like nothing. Okay, so this game, um, I I've caught it on the periphery yeah. here. You're like yes. you're like a mouse or a rat, yes, and you fight like you, cats. So you're like you are Jerry a, fighting Tom, right? You're pretty much like Cloud Strife, but a mouse. <laughs> when I looked at the screenshots that you show us, I was like, "Is this the secret nymph?" <laughs> So, so like, yeah, like the battles are very much like kind of reminiscent of Golden Sun, where you kind of uh, see like a behind the back of your party members facing like a, a farther out of uh, uh, enemy. Uh, so it has that perspective, like where you're kind of like, like over the shoulder of your uh, of your party members. It has like a pseudo three D visual style, but it's a, it's a two D sprite game, um, but very very good uh, art design and. Uh, all around for it. So, like uh, Adam mentioned, the the core setup is you are your name is Verm. Uh, that's the main character, um, and this is a very very early spoiler, but it is it is the setup for the game where um, you are pretty much part of this rat society, and uh, often you go out with your kind of uh, I forgot if there's like an older brother, but you get you go out like uh, with an older almost like family member uh to go uh get food for like uh your rat society and this takes place in like visiting uh what they consider uh heaven and they and it's pretty much the surface world um and they go out and get seeds uh for their rat society because they're their food so but when they go to the, up to heaven it's kind of like this department store and they use it to scavenge goods so you know you'll on the on their way to like kind of get these seeds, they uh are am not ambushed, but a pretty much a human uh shows up like in a lab coat, like a like kind of like a hazard suit, and they call them the Yellow God, um because you know it's it's so gigantic they can't stand they can't hope to like match against it. So as they're trying to like get away from it, um, Verm's tail gets stuck on this mouse trap, and. Lance, kind of the older brother figure, tries to, you know, obviously uh, get the yellow god's attention away from Verm because, you know, that's certain death for them. Yeah, I have so, to interrupt you. I don't know why yeah. I thought of this. Yes. Like this, like, character living, like, they're living, like, underground or, like, um, how do you put it? They're, like, in mouse holes and things like that. They're not, oh, they're trying to get to, like, the surface world. Is that what they're trying to get? No, they're they they they're, they're kind of going on like their uh, food run. So so they wow. go to the surface world to kind of get food, scavenge food from there, and then go back to their rat society. So that like the 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 the, the objective of them is just to kill to survive. It's not to reach a certain place. Oh. It's just to keep on surviving, and they survive. By Anyways, like, I was thinking of Gurren Lagan. <laughs> You're not. Yeah, it's not too far <laughs> off from like, that like we're living underground. We have to get to the surface, yeah. and like we have 
main character and his like older brother figure. And like, wait, that's where my mind went. Okay. I feel like that's a story with like rats. You know, most of they were just trying to get to the surface to find food. It's sort of like this same premise of like the secret of nymph, sort of. You know, mm-hmm. it has like Miss Frisbee. I've like, seen Secret of Nymph, but it was so long ago. I barely remember. I know. Yeah. It has Miss Frisbee has like uh, trying to like take care of her sick son, and there's like they're bringing like this tractor that's going to like rip open their like house or something like that. So they're trying to go out and find a way to save everybody, you know? Yeah, this episode are pretty like like it's pretty heavy. So like, yeah. So Lance gets the attention of this yellow god, and it, it, this plays out in a turn-based sequence where you're pretty much doing zero damage. Uh, it's a, it's a forced loss because the yellow god just basically picks up Lance and crushes it in his hand, and you see it like do board right there. So it does like you know the first crunch is like maybe twelve damage, the next crunch is like two hundred damage, the next crunch is like three thousand damage, and you're like you're all you're long dead, like. Lance is long dead by each crunch, but like you see it, and then in the in the meanwhile, as Verb is trying to get away, Verb pretty much in a turn base once again, uh, uh, tries to hit the mouse trap, but doesn't do any damage. So instead, like it, you you are forced to attack your own tail and slice off your own tail in this turn based battle. Uh, so you're basically doing damage to yourself to try to get away. Yeah, that from... sounds brutal. Yeah, it's a pretty brutal uh, opening. So after this. Um, you get a time skip. It's like several seasons, like a like seasons later. Um, and like you know, Ver- Verm is pretty much like you know wants to is basically on a quest for revenge against this yellow god. Um, you know, I mean, instead of a Buster Sword, he has like a they have they have these things called God Tools, which are basically things that are like come from the surface world. So like one of the God Tools that uh that that he stumbles upon is this pocket knife. Uh, and that's his main weapon is this pocket knife, and that's his Buster Sword, pretty much. Um, uh, and then you meet uh, other party members along the way, like uh, Shoban, that's like your pyromancer, and their and their weapon of choice is like a lighter. <laughs> you know, that's how they do fire magic is this lighter, which is uh, you know very fun uh, way to kind of contextualize that. Other party members is Bruce the Harlequin. Which is your bard character, uh, very good at like healing allies, but more support. Most importantly, get, uh, has a skill to give your character an extra turn. Um, and Gwen, which you meet later on, and they're kind of the lancer of the group. Uh, specializes in like uh, debuffing enemies, can like debuff their defense, their attack, so forth. And has you know, and the, the the their tools like a scalpel. Um, and so. As you as you're going throughout the game, you're kind of seeing this underground society of like what society like these rats have made for themselves. Like this is a central capital that you visit that has like a king that oversees like you know their uh, townsfolk. You that you definitely see like you know an upper class and lower class struggle, and um, it's a very very compact RPG that hits like you know very very well known um, RPG sort of like story beats where you have sort of like the side quests where you can go go off and you know see others like very typical side quests like for example this um painter uh needs more paint so you have to go to like this uh unmarked part of like the over overworld map so you go to it and it's like you're visiting a classroom and you you get this like kind of small sample of paint and as you're retreating you're stopped by like these like family of turtles they're like hey 
why are you stealing uh you know stealing like don't fucking steal it's bad so like you're you're basically beating up this family of turtles like uh because like they see you as a thief and then the, after that it's like eh, it's only a little bit of pain you can go like it's not you're not really stealing that much after you kind of like beat them up um another side quest might be like you know your typical fetch quest of like hey i need you to find this person because you're kind of doing this delivery quest for like someone you kind of and they mistaken you for their apprentice and that's like i need you to deliver this um to this person and then we'll give you like you know a, a small amount of money uh for it um so like and the interesting thing about this game is that there's no experience point system you do level up but you only level up during like certain story bosses or hardware encounters or like from the or maybe doing a optional side quest but there's no like there's no way to like really grind on enemies you're not really you're, there's not really any random encounters where like you know, you're walking across like tiles and like a random encounter will show up you'll see enemies on the field but even if you engage in these in these fights it's only to get like past them you're not really doing them to like grind experience you're just kind of going from one story beat to another and these encounters will level you up. And you do get skill points per level up. Each character has a skill tree that is linear for the most part, but has branching points. And, you know, you get, you know, your typical more HP, more attack power. But your but the, your main goal in these skill trees is adding uh, properties to your skills. So, for example, um, one of the... One of the main gimmicks to Verm is his berserk state. You can go engage a skill to go into a berserk state, and uh, all his all his skills and all his normal hits will add additional hits. So one of the properties that he can learn is like this uh, this finishing blow property, where the final hit of any multi hit attack that you do will do more damage. Um, you know, which is pretty good for a character that is. Uh, uh, their, their main strength is dealing as much dam- damage as possible. Another interesting, like you know, decision that you make, like you know, whether you want to go for this uh, property or not for a skill, uh, is the the bard character. They have this skill called Encore, where um, if you put it on a, when you cast on a party member, they get an, uh, another turn immediately. And every time a character gets a turn, they replenish one energy point because your skills. And even your basic attack uh, consume energy points. Up, uh, basic attack will um, consume one energy point, while uh, skills may consume multiple, like two or three. So, so one of their... at, I'm looking at some screenshots here, and like you get like three. It looks like you have three pips at least at one point in the game. Yeah, so you, you... Get, and you, yeah, you can expand like the the maximum cap on them. You know, as you're filling out the skill tree. Okay, but yeah, so. Um, one of the properties on that encore is like you can also replenish energy, um, when one energy when you give a character another turn. So now their encore is even better because you not only do you replenish their turn, you replenish one immediately, and upon getting their turn, they get another energy. So giving them their turn now gives them two basically energy points to deal with. So right away you can like engage in like sales. So it's 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 very much. A simplistic combat system of like attacking, defending, or using an item, but the way that you manipulate turn and energy economy in it is just like you know complex enough to not overstay its welcome. And it's like it, it you know it, it adds interesting like decisions in combat and how you develop your character uh, in it. It's, it's not the most 
you know, deep RPG in the world, but it's it's just deep enough to kind of like you know develop very very cool and eventually broken strategies depending on like how you develop your characters um, in it. Um, and there's the, the, the there's a, just an overwhelming amount of charm in the game and like how they um, kind of mimic human society but in their own but contextualized in a rat rodent society because that's not all rats, right? You have different societies. Yeah, like a mole society because right? Shoban is a mole. Uh, Bruce is a squirrel. Um, and they have a much deeper storyline, like you know, a certain story beat in the game, um, that that is um, deals with pretty like 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 heavy themes because like Bruce comes from like a lineage uh, of like red squirrels, and ve- you know, very very early on, like like many many years back, like they they were driven out by like another uh, type of like squirrel, like the gray squirrels. And like they pretty much, you know, kind of draw draw them out of their um, place and kind of displaced them and kind of, you know, wiped out the red squirrel. What does that? How? What does that mean for Bruce after confronting that reality? You know, of like visiting, you know, his supposed homeland and his homeland is gone, pretty much. And it delves into that sort of stuff. But what, I think this is like surface dwarves and and subterranean dwarves. I think. I don't know. <laughs> it feels like some fantasy thing we have like elves and dark elves or dwarves yeah and yeah yeah, yeah. Dwarves. So, yeah and, and yeah. so like like it, you'll get you'll you know you get you explore different parts of society and societies in this kind of brief six and a half hour adventure um and, but it's like even though it's short it's very dense and you know there's not really much downtime it's actually paced pretty well because it doesn't ever overstay its welcome um but like I said, one of, one of my main complaints, obviously, is difficulty. There's no new game plus mode. There's no toggleable difficulty. Um, so if you if you played an RPG, you you kind of know will probably you know figure out how to break this game wide open pretty fast because you, you you get to see like the entire skill trees and you get to like highlight okay you know. I want to spec in this direction with this character because this skill seems good, and if it feels good to you, it's probably really, really good for um, uh, for what you, what the eventual endpoint of your battle strategies will uh, will be. Uh, another thing that I didn't really like about this game is some of the writing and the dialogue um, utilizes like modern vernacular. Like one character shtick is saying "lol" out loud in their. Um, as in like in LOL their, or L-A-W-L? Yes, not, no, like LOL and then like and then sometimes they'll say LOL, LOL, LOL oh. in there. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like a And then some of your responses feels out of character for that. Like um, like one, one thing, the response to a character is like, what do you think about it in fashion? It's like, oh, it's cool. Or the other ones will be, it's cringe, you know. Um, <laughs> another character is like a fashion will, will, will call themselves the Drip King. And then they're like, and then their sprite has like the the black jacket and like their stance is kind of like that meme picture. The um, cream shirt. And you hear the ultra instinct music. Yeah, pretty much. So like that, like the, there's like instances where like it, it plays modern vernacular, and like most of the time it feels out of place and doesn't really make sense and like why they're speaking this way. It's kind of oh, it's kind of almost just put in there, just kind of like wink and nod. It's like ah yeah, we know that like this is a popular thing people say these days and doesn't really add like to the yeah, i get what you're saying but, you know like 
I also I, I kind of feel like some of this is unavoidable, but like, I don't know, 10 years from now, if someone's looking back at this game and someone says like drip, I don't know, yeah. drip in 10 years might be like totally, you know, like feels like old fashioned or something. I don't know. Right. It just seems It'd like it's like saying wicked back <laughs> in the 90s. It's like, oh, man, that's so wicked. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I just think of rocket power from like Galudia. <laughs> Um, and then 10 years later it'll be like an outdated term that no one uses anymore right wonder what the hell we're talking about but i think i think in general i think it's 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 a it's a great you know it was a great ride it was a brief ride like you know like i said it's it's 20 dollars, but like in its first week i think it's like a little bit cheaper than that um and yeah i mean i just had a really great time with it i'm i'm very surprised that like just how it all came together and Kind of has like some pretty, you know, me- meaningful things to say. Like you can definitely feel, like the the developer and all developers intention of where they wanted to like take the story and what message they wanted to like, convey to players with it. So, so there's a pretty smart writing, despite kind of like some of the pitfalls it has with the modern vernacular usage. But pretty 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 solid game. I was very impressed. I I, I enjoyed. You know, just buying and beating a game and like being like, yeah, that was a great time. It was, it, it felt nice, a, a great change of pace. It's like, it's not like, oh, I have to go fucking um, commit like 50 hours of my time to finish this here. It's like, no, it's just like a, a one and done. And I felt good about it. Try to walk away from That's a novel feeling these days with the types of games that we play on this site. Yep. Oh, uh, that, that was, that was cool. That's small saga. Um, you know, if you're if you're interested, like in a very like tight packaged RPG that will take a lot of time to beat, I I highly recommend playing Small Saga. It's a really cool game. Um, and then the last thing we'll talk about here, uh, very briefly, uh, is the the first DLC of uh, Revenant Two came out, The Awakened King. Uh, we talked about this a little bit pre-release with the with the news. Uh, you know, there's the first of three DLCs. Um, and there's adding, you know, the new archetype, the ritualist class, uh, to it. Uh, Jibs and I, uh, played it separately. Uh, I played it with, uh, friends, uh, launch day. And then, uh, James, you got to play it a little bit, uh, or you got, you beat it before, uh, it released. So let's start with you, James, on this DLC. Well, I'm pretty much, uh, what I said in the, uh, feature was pretty, like, self-explanatory. What they're doing with these DLCs, it seems like, is that they're adding an additional, like, variant of each world, starting with uh, Lassam. Mm -hmm. And um, so this one's um, got a mix of new content and old content. Obviously, it's not going to be fully new. Some areas I recognize from my original playthrough, though obviously a little bit retooled, because, again, the game is procedurally generated to to an extent. Um, but new enemies, new NPCs, new bosses, new story stuff. And it's like, if you like Remnant 2, I mean, it, it, it's more Remnant 2. It, it's interesting. It, it's a good time. Yeah, it's interesting how they're, uh, how they're um, uh, doing this DLC because, like, the, the, the core structure of Remnant 2 is, like, it's very fluid in, like, what, uh, when you enter a world and how you explore, like, you know, the main and side stuff, it's all very organic and fluid and like how you um, go into the level. Like, like it's never guaranteed what you're going to, uh, 
but like your layout will be definitely definitely different from like another person's layout because it's all procedurally generated and what types of like side stories and events you see you may not you're definitely not gonna witness all of them in one playthrough so you'll have to kind of like re-roll worlds um to go see them and, and like kind of seek them for yourself because some of them have very very specific things you need to do to kind of unlock hidden rewards from them and the way that they're doing this dlc um it's recommended that you've played and beat the main campaign first to unlock adventure mode to easily access this dlc because if mm-hmm. you're trying to do it in like the main playthrough you kind of have to kind of rely on like happenstance conditions to kind of access it during a first main playthrough so it, that that kind of gets messy but you know adventure mode lets you kind of do be have a stage selector uh pretty much and you can like select this dlc right away but they call it a one shot uh and meaning that the instance that you the adventure mode instance that you uh when you select this dlc you'll be able to experience like all the almost all the new content right away when you select this dlc in the adventure mode and it gives you like the new environment and like the new stages right away the new areas the new bosses like right away but it's like it's like but it's not like procedurally generated it's like kind of seated in hard seated in but the moment that you complete it that one shot is now integrated in fluidly into the main campaign meaning that like if you want to replay this dlc you'll have to re-roll for it in lawsome from then on um to encounter it because now that that now that you've completed it once, now it's fully integrated organically into the main uh, modes of the game, whether it's the main campaign and the adventure mode of that of the Losom world. So, so that so it's kind of giving you it's kind of removing the tedium of like having you re-roll that world to experience it once. It's like giving it you you like a taste of it and like fully experiencing it. But obviously, due to the nature of Remnant Two. If you want to get everything you want out of it, like all the items and stuff, you'll have to replay it again and again. Like for example, like like, like in other bosses in Remnant Two, there'll be like a main way and an alternate way to like beat the the main boss. Uh so like and then if you beat it like one way, it'll give you this item to craft into one thing or a mod. Or if you beat it the alternate way, you'll re- be rewarded another thing to be crafted into a weapon or a mod. Uh, for that, and also uh, depending on what you do in the in the DLC, you might not like uh, in, like fight the main boss. Instead, you might um, like fight a different like. No, I wouldn't say fight a different boss, but like there's a def- definitely a different outcome you can choose in this DLC that won't involve fighting the main the 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 main bad guy um, to to keep it uh, vague people who want to be surprised about it um so and, and like you know the the, the new uh, places are are pretty cool there's a pretty interesting uh new minor boss that you fight that's like it, it's take it takes place like in a very very um tight corridor very narrow tight corridor and this boss has like wields like a big ass anchor that does a lot of damage when it hits you and can, and can also like spin around and stuff and like the the where you maneuver in that fight is very very limited, but in order to in order to expand like the arena of that uh, 
more hallways. You have to let the boss like hit like the environment to like kind of break a wall, and now you have access to another portion of that arena to run to. So it's kind of balancing like the risk versus reward on like um, that fight, um, and and depending on like what happens during that fight, it can be expanded depending on like if you kind of bait the boss into hitting environmental objects to clear the rubble out of the way. Um, Another another mean thing that they um, introduce in this DLC is like new modifiers to existing bosses. Uh, for example, uh, what I mean by modifiers, like in, like in an action RPG like Diablo or Path of Exile, like you'll have modifiers like you'll have bosses that like have higher health, um, or uh, bosses that'll like deal more damage, or like some bosses might like summon walls, like you know, or uh, summon minions. Um, in this DLC, they have uh, introduced new modifiers. One of them is really, really nasty called the Cubes modifier. And the Cubes modifier, basically, uh, throughout the throughout the fight against them, they'll summon uh, revolving cubes around them. And if you if those uh, cubes hit you, uh, you'll take a lot of damage. So you have to be very conscious about um, your positioning in the fight. And th- this was like in a very unfortunate... Um, uh, where I encountered this cubes modifier was very, very annoying because it was like it is during the executioner uh, minor boss fight where you can you, normally you could cheese this boss off a ledge because they're like they're like in the water and you're like at a heightened area and they have no way to jump up to it. But because of this cube modifier, um, it can st- the, those cubes can still reach you now. So you actually have to like kind of go down there and fight the boss. And like very limited mobility and kind of like you're pushed to like run around the arena uh through like these narrow corridors and hallways to to kind of get uh, a decent amount of like stream of damage to it while you're dodging like these cubes that are like forming up every so often um around it um which is you know it's a it's a it's a fun it's a it's a nasty but fun um twist on it so you know, um, I'm, I'm looking like after after playing this DLC with friends, we did like about two playthroughs of it. Um, I'm we're all really looking forward to see like what how the other uh, um, DLC content for this game will be like um, because we had a lot of fun with this one and like the new ritualist archetype is really cool too. They can deal like there's definitely like new mods and weapons that are very 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 you know obviously tuned for this class to make it really shine. And um, making it so that you know, stacking a shitload of ailments, uh, and just do doing bonus damage based on you know its ailments and spells. Good. It's a pretty pretty powerful archetype. Really, one to develop for people who want to, you know dig into that. Overall, it's a you know like you said, James. It is more of what makes Remnant too good. It is. A very solid first offering for this game. So that's the. Uh, that game continues to be really, really fucking cool. Um, with that, that was, you know, a lot of. Uh, we've, we've been busy with uh, games this week. So that was Persona 5 Tactica, the Super Mario RPG remake, Small Saga, and the Remnant 2 The Awakened King DLC. For the four games that we talked about, uh, based on what we played this week, 
And now uh, we are going to dive into the news. Um, not a lot of news uh, this week, but there, there, but there's like a lot of like updates to like uh, big, big games uh, coming out uh, early next year. Um, the first one that we'll dive into is um, a new kind of like blog update from Square Enix uh, surrounding Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. They were showing off, uh, you know, new characters, uh, synergy abilities, and the new dynamic difficulty that seems to have uh, some of our community in the up- uproar. Um, Adam, uh, let's talk about it. They they have they showed off, you know, obviously they showed off Calm and the Mithril Mine. Um, they showed off more of the side characters, like uh, this new Broden character, who's the owner and operator of the Inn at Calm, along you know other side characters like Rhonda, Priscilla, Billy. But yeah, some I of these th- characters are like minor NPCs in the original. Yeah. Like Priscilla, I didn't even remember that was her name. Like, oh yeah, she's the dolphin girl. So right. Um, I kind of remember her because I was watching a streamer replaying FF7, and he was stuck in the mini game. Where well, that mini game, yeah, that mini game is more memorable than she is. It's just kind of a weird, goofy mini game in the yeah. original. I'm not surprised yeah. it's here now. Um, but yeah, they have like we. If you check our website, we have like there's these new NPC characters and whatnot. And then um, in previous updates, like when they announced the release date, they kind of explained some of the skills for like. Aerith and Tifa and whatnot, um, or, uh, or Barrett and Tifa. And I was like, all right, here's some skills for Red 13 and Aerith. And it's literally just like, here's some of their abilities that they can use, screenshots of them in battle. And then one of my uh, friends was saying, oh, they're like adapting the Leyline Black Mage mechanic from FF14 for Aerith now with her word shift ability. So it seems like, you know, some of the gameplay um, systems or philosophies from FF14. Is going to be adapted here with the lane line mechanic that Black Mages can do. And then one of the new things they're adding in this in the sequel is like the combo abilities. They're called synergy abilities, and they've shown like a few of them with like Aerith and Tifa. But now it's like here's Cloud and Tifa called Relentless Rush, Barrett and Red Thirteen, Overfang. So obviously there's just going to be some fun like team up attacks between characters that you can do. Um, just kind of a fun little wrinkle in battle. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, Cloud and Aerith, Barret and Cloud, all all the different combinations. Showed a few new summons. I'm actually yeah, reading yeah. this. The Kujata. Kujata, a bovine deity, a cow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, so you know, Kujata. You know, they, they 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 shut off like most of these at the Tokyo Game Show in the release date. So yeah, but they're now they're just kind of, they're kind of, of detailing them yeah. in more further. Yeah. Um, now, the one thing that's interesting, and they didn't actually go into a lot of detail on it, there's like, um, there's active and classic mode, which is the same as Remake. Honestly, I don't know if, did many people really play in the classic mode? I'm not sure. I, I heard some people did play classic mode, so yeah, I, th- I think it's been a good number. Okay. There. But yeah, now there's like, in, in, the, in Remake, we've all played it. I'm assuming most people have played it, if they're listening to this. There was like, easy mode, normal mode, and then like, hard mode that was like, Pretty much just like a new game plus mode. Now, this one adds dynamic difficulty, and they don't really say a lot about this. All they say is enemy difficulty adjusts automatically based on your skill level. Select this if you love the thrill of the fight. So, I think that's just like enemies always being. Yeah, so this is more of an open world ish game where it seems like there's a little bit of flexibility in which, which direction do you go in. So maybe it's 
kind of balancing the world in such a way where it doesn't matter which direction you go in. It's going to be challenging in any direction and enemies will always be a little bit higher stats than you or whatever. So, you know, that's just an option. It is an option. It's, it, it feels like it's, it's not really like it's on, it's a different difficulty option that you can choose either that or normal mode. So you don't have to do it. It's, I'm, yeah, I'm so kind of curious how it works. Like me too. I, I kind of cons- right? considering like, like choosing that for my playthrough because I think so, that's, that's interesting. So that sort of reminds. I mean, there's different implementations of this sort of thing. Like, yeah, FF8 is the most interesting. I mean, Final Fantasy VIII is an obvious one. Play. Although, yeah. if you're if you're not playing Final Fantasy VIII by like breaking it wide open with card mod and triple triad and other things, you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> now, like Saga games, like Romancing Saga Three, we mentioned earlier, those games, like Romancing Saga Three and other Saga games, a lot of them are pretty open-ended you can go whichever way you want and enemies do scale to you that's just like part of the the style you know um so it's like maybe it's something like that where just enemies are always going to be scaled to your level you're never going to just you know walk over enemies because they're always going to be at least mildly challenging but yeah it's like some saga games like only bosses are static but enemies scale up in different ways there's different like nuances to it so i'm anyways i'm just curious how it actually works right so. yeah the, the, it seems like you know a, a lot of people on social media are like i don't know about this dynamic i mean we we'll just have one sentence to go off of, so <laughs> there's actually two sentences because there's one in the screenshot and then there's one in the press release i mean they yeah. basically say the same thing the press release says enemies grow stronger as your characters do Perfect for players who crave constant challenge. Yeah, and I know some people may not like that. Some people like getting like overpowered, but it might just be you know a way to balance the fact that open world you can kind of go whichever way you want and make it not just be like trivial. Eventually, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I I kind of want to try it. Like, I, I'm consider me curious because I'd like, I I think. FF7 remake is that it's at its most fun when there's like extended fights when there's like the, there's actually like you know I, I don't like the sighty fights within like less than ten seconds in that game I kind of like that extended like okay how am I gonna balance between like um you know my limit breaks my uh, what what magic I'm gonna use who I'm gonna control doing it I think I'll be fine if I don't have to deal aerial combat. If it's aerial combat, I just want that shit to be over with, like immediately. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Go, go, go pick a mage character. <laughs> just, just go play. Uh, just go play Aerith, and there you go. But yeah, uh, I think I think that's kind of like the one real, real new thing that that was revealed in this uh, new. I mean, there's a screenshot uh, of the Mithril Mine. There's a screenshot of Calm. Yeah. You know, it's kind of nice yeah. to see them. Yeah. But that's you know. Very very soon, February 29th. They have not changed that. They, they also provided like a a brief story recap trailer of what happened to FF7 remake. So, you know, if you want to get a a quick you know recap of FF7 remake, Gray Nix made one for you. Uh, if you haven't played FF7 remake, it's filled with spoilers. <laughs> obviously, I, I heard this game is a perfect place to start. Okay. <laughs> Who would have thunk? But yeah. So that's a lot. That's very exciting. Uh, another, we didn't get a press packet for this, but the uh, Asian official site for Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth uh, provided, uh, you know, a lot of um, 
new details on the turn-based battle system improvements, um, new jobs, and you know the the, the exclusive jobs for, for party members. So a lot of this is like things you can already kind of see if you played the Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth demo either at TGS or um, in the the demo in the Like a Dragon Gaiden. But they're no they're more explicit with it, right? So like in the in the battle in the turn-based battle system for infinite wealth, obviously like we've shown already, characters can now move in battle within this like circular des- designated zone. You have area of effect attacks that you can kind of manipulate the angle now because in a, you can now move around in battle. There's like environmental hazards that you can push enemies back towards. Um all that sort of stuff. The one, the one thing that I really um, appreciated that you know wasn't very apparent in the demo was there's this new SmackDown option uh, for like if you get into a fight with like much weaker enemies, you can basically instantly end the fight with the SmackDown option. Um, you just get less experience, but you still get money and items. So it's just it's just a way to save time. It's like oh, it's just like this enemy mob, and I don't want to like. I don't want to take two minutes taking out this mob because I it's accidentally like run into that. It's like the new bodyguard function in, in Star Ocean 2. Yeah. Just kind oh, of yeah. run over people. Yeah. And then um, they go over how Kiryu plays in battle. Um, so once again, it's not nothing too new. This they is this is sort over. of tongue in cheek. I'm looking at the characters. I'm like, wait a minute, wasn't this a character of villain in in, in, in like a, in Yakuza Seven? They're in your party mm-hmm. now. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So obviously the 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 playable cast of um, Yakuza Like a Dragon's coming out uh, back with some new characters in there. So they kind of reintroduced them and the kind of like their default classes um, and what they excel at. You know, that, nothing too surprising here. Um, and they and they showed it off in the previous trailers, but some of the new jobs that'll be coming and. It seems like they're doubling down on the on the the sex lock jobs. So there's like male exclusive jobs and uh, female exclusive jobs. So they seem to be doubling down on that. But you know, it, uh, that doesn't really bother me. It's just like I just want that to be interesting. Uh, I don't personally. really mind that. Yeah. Um, as a sense of like, I've always been a fan of sort of you know, like in chess, not every piece can be a queen. Like I just mm-hmm. sort of like, oh wait, different characters can be different classes and. You gotta, you know, you can't have every character be the hero or whatever. And just, I kind of like, you know, having to pick, you know, options out of a set and put them together and see what you get, rather than just having everyone be like some overpowered singular class or whatever. So I kind of like, you know, it's just one way to frame it. Like, okay, there's more female party members this time. So there's like, okay, there's a couple of female only, male only jobs, but you have a few options still, like which characters you want to use to. No, not every character can be every class, but I kind of I kind of like having some restrictions, so you can't just use always the overpowered class on every character or whatever. I kind of like that. I like that. I don't I don't even I don't like how modern Fire Emblem you can kind of like oftentimes change whatever character in whatever class. I kind of like like having some restrictions. Yeah, and as long as they as long as they all like how contribute like some like interesting tactical role in battle, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally fine with that, and it kind of it kind of adds a you know a, a fun flavor to it all. Because like it's uh, that like that like the the jobs are like ridiculous on purpose either way, <laughs> so as long as long as there it makes for a fun uh, you know dynamic I'm I'm totally cool with it. So uh, like it's not it's not a big update once again it's just kind of more more new assets more kind of detailing 
for people who you know are kind of interested from like uh kind of like not not having been paying attention to like all the all the news releases for uh, infinite wealth it's like oh, okay i just kind of like run a a quick text rundown of like what's new in this game and that's what it's gonna be so you know like a dragon infinite wealth um probably gonna be one of the first big rpgs coming out next year uh with the january 26th release date and then a week after that everything comes out so it's just you know we're almost there um very very excited very excited. um another big update um from uh sega here um on unicorn overlord uh they there's a lot of new info uh for the game they introduced uh several new characters and they really went into detail about like basically the gameplay loop of this game what you're doing uh in vanilla Bear's new game so you get uh, they show off you know uh, a spy that can uh join you a witch several knights um but the the thing that's really interesting here is this uh exploring the overworld and this um liberating towns and rebuilding them um adam you worked with me on getting this news post up. Well, what, what were some of the things that caught your eye in this unicorn overlord? Okay, so first of all, I've seen some people uh, look at this uh, news post and like, it's just like Fire Emblem, or it's just like Suikoden. And I've played <laughs> both of those, and I'm like, not really? Now, I know a lot of people have compared this to Ogre Battle, and while I've played Tactics Ogre, I've never played Ogre Battle specifically, but even still, some of this town-building quest kind of stuff seems sort of it seems pretty unique so i'm i'm getting the more and more i see of this game the more and more i'm like st- st- kind of stepping away from trying to make comparisons because it seems like it's kind of doing a unique thing uh, this here. Has, this, like it has its own identity yeah so there's an overworld and on the overworld it almost reminds me of very briefly i don't know what it reminds me of it's like you can you can collect items on the overworld you can sort of run into like different um, quests that just sort of pop up, which lead to like different battles and different scenarios. Almost, I don't know, Saga-ish. Uh, I, d- I doubt this game is very much like Saga otherwise, other than some bare, you know, fringe comparison. Like I said, it's harder and harder to compare this game to others. But there's things that take place on this overworld. You find villages and towns that you can like make deliveries to. There are quests for. There are little fortresses that you can place units in to... Uh, you can, uh, they, he says you can put them in reconstructed towns and they will collect items and receive rewards. So there's some sort of like, almost like base building kind of unit staging kind of gameplay here. Garrison. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like, a, yeah, it's like a management mechanic almost. Right. Like, yeah. And then like you can level up, uh, you can level up units, like mm-hmm. in terms of like a squad of characters in the, in the, uh, in the, in the bases. There's an honor and a renown system. It says uh, you need to prove your valor by earning honors and to unlock the function of the fort, you need an appropriate renown rank. So, like, I assume you get that from doing quests and fighting battles. Oh, yeah, it even says honor can be earned by clearing stages, delivering goods, while renown is earned by through quests and town rebuilding. So it's I think, sort it's, of like, I think it's really cool. Like, uh, like they, they also have, like, these mock battles. And usually, like, when RPGs, like, do, like, mock battles, it's more like sort of, like, uh, practice your strategies here of, like, of, like, you know, but you don't really get like anything out of it. It's like it's like you know, here's your training mode area. Well, on this one's like no, here's like these are these mock battles. You'll have uh, these are prearranged uh, fights where allied units fight each other, and there's actually like a real merit and benefit from doing these 
um, mock battles in these in these forts because you're using them to kind of unlock more like unit slots, for example, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. It's like, oh, okay, there's actually there's actually a, a, like it gives, it gives, it stills you like a meaningful sort of like you're training up your troops to expand your forces. Essentially, what's sort of and interesting yeah. to me, I have never played Thirteen Sentinels. Mm-hmm. But this game almost seems like so. Thir- Thirteen Sentinels. I know it has like the tower defense mode, but that the way I gather from your review and what we talked about it is that it, that's very much a story driven, narrative driven, scene driven game. With like tower defense is sort of you know something that kind of not not you know just ignore, but it's just sort not of like emphasized. supporting not really, right. Yeah. Where this game is like seems very dense in mechanics and systems and numbers and strategy. Uh, and like fortress, fortresses, and units, and so it's yeah, like almost the inverse for like the, yeah, exactly. The it's like lopsided in the other direction. Around. I don't know right. what the narrative's going to be like in this game. It's sort of I wonder if it's sort of like a non-linear narrative, depending on what quests, which people you happen to run into, and things like that. So I, it's I'm kind of I'm very curious about this game, especially from people who like really like Thirteen Sentinels, because this doesn't seem like Thirteen Sentinels at all. Oh yeah, no. And no. I mean, I know Vanillaware has a history before then, obviously, um, but it's it's very different, which is cool. I think it's cool that they're doing something pretty different. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's it really like I'm trying to think that the last time that like Vanillaware really did anything like on this sort of like open world scope, almost right. What and they like, had the Odin Sphere remaster, they had Dragon's Crown. Um, yeah. Those were both like side scroller RPGs, right? So, this is not that. And it's, not, it's definitely not Grim Grimoire because yeah. that's more like a side-scrolling, like almost tower defense uh, management strategy. Um, but yeah, it's 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 some, this is more like a classical RPG that's uh, very much about like building up armies and kind of going around the world and sort of liberating. And uh, like you said, almost has like a, a sort of like management layer mm-hmm. to it, like an army management almost. So like it's not it's not really it's not it's not it's not an action RPG. Nope. It's very much management, and it's it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Like the screen just has main quest, side quest, liberation quest, overworld quest. You know, <laughs> you just have these categories for quests. I think it's just a. I, I think I don't know. It's gonna. I don't know if it's gonna like live up to the expectation of like what this game like, what people think this game I, is. Yeah, I think I, I think, think I think inevitably some people this isn't gonna be what they expected because it's yeah. so. It, it seems very unique and different. I think some people might just assume it's a certain way when it may not be. Right. So. Yeah. And there also there's another game where it has a, a, a character named Clive in it. Hmm. <laughs> Curious. I was thinking, it's like, has anyone played Grand Knight's history? Yes. Rare game. Yeah. I was wondering if it kind of copied that DNA. I don't know. That game is kind of like unknown. I don't feel like anyone has played enough. I, I, I played it, but it's that's this is definitely on a bigger scope than that. It's not really like Grand Knight's history, and uh, like that, like Grand Knight's history still feels smaller scope than what this is. Even yeah. Grand Kingdom, like not, it's not really like our great Kingdom. from some of the X developers. From it wasn't. It? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Grand Kingdom. I don't think it was vanilla variant. but developed. Um, but yeah, you know, this is. This is this game continues to shape up, and I think I think I think a lot of the pieces and a lot of the dots will be connected once they actually like release like a gameplay trailer for this game that has like extended footage of like what you actually do in this game. This is just a tiny bit of inside baseball. I assigned Cullen to review this game. 
don't mm-hmm. know if this really feels like a Cullen game. Does, does this <laughs> I feel like he a doesn't Cullen get game? stuck as he's complaining about front mission too. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm being sort of nice teasing here. It doesn't. This isn't the sort of game that Cullen would typically uh, attract to. I think, but I don't know. I don't know. I have a pretty hard time being ogre battle. I'm not sure anyone like struggling. My own ogre, ogre battle, battle. I haven't just gotten around to it yet. Oh, I, I fucking struggle with that game. <laughs> or maybe I just want like that perfect ending. So the ogre yeah. battle comparison it comes in sort of the vein from what I understand. Like you have these sort of units that attack together. That you have like I think six different slots that you can have up to six different people. Kind of yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty much party formations. Like right. you know, you, you, like instead of like a character versus character, there's more squad versus squad, and how right. you build those squads will exemplify what they're capable of in battle. So, for example, like if you form a squad that has like a lot of like shield people at the front, they're 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 more suited to be at the front lines because they're able to push up towards the enemy, while they, but they'll struggle against like say something like spellcasters, for example. So. That, that that's kind of where the ogre battle comparisons are because on that game you pretty much do travel kind of like on this open map and you do engage in these like kind of like these battles that like you don't you don't necessarily directly control them one to one you're not being like a attack command but you're just kind of going up to them and seeing how your formation uh fares against other enemy formations so that's that's kind of where the ogre battle um comparisons lie in this game and I think that's pretty apt. I think that's the closest you're gonna get. Outside of that, I like. I don't think it's not. It's not a grid-based strategy RPG like Fire Emblem. I don't know where you get the Suikin. Like I, I definitely know an outlet so compared to Suikin. It's like I don't know where you get that from. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I think it's mass mass down like party members on a screen. Like yeah, like yeah. Sukoden, like uh, Sukoden, uh free. You get like six party members in the screen at like using it all at once. It just kind of feels a little bit chaotic. I guess that vibes probably. Maybe. You know, but even then, like I guess also so we could have some so we could have had like that that overworld map battle gimmick thing too. Do you remember the strat the strat battles fighting Lucas Bright? <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh, unicorn overlord. There's a mining mini game. Right. But there's no fishing mini game that they didn't know. No, nope, uh, it's just a mining mini game. No, so, it's not a 10 out of 10. No, no yeah. It's not an RPG. So, I'm thinking Cullen might score it low because they're still fishing. <laughs> That's the the vibe that I'm getting. Uh, for smaller news here, uh, we got a new trailer for Dragon Quest Monsters, The Dark Prince, showing off stars of the show, the monsters themselves. I did note that like some of the monsters they showed here are like... Uh, Appear for the first time in the Dragon Quest series, like the Choco Slime, um, which is <laughs> there's just like chocolate slime stuck in like a pastry pocket in it. I'm like, man, that looks good. <laughs> yeah, they've had a couple know. of these. They've had a couple of these like cakey yeah. slimes. So yeah. I, one of the worlds in this game is like a is like a candy land. So I don't know that. Yeah, I haven't really following attention. Yeah, like I saw like a, like a like a demon model, but like like during the chef outfit. Like okay, so I mean that's just uh, another minor update that's coming out uh, very soon, December first for the Switch. So, um, yeah, man, I'm still, but this is once again, I'm waiting for the PC to this. Uh, so this is the Monster Showcase. Um, we got a new dev diary for Sandland, 
Wait, wait, wait. Um, I'm looking at this this chocolate slime. Yeah. Apparently the name is Gunach Goody. Gunach Goody. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've you know, all these different uh puns in the English names, so yeah, I did you also had the the vegan dragora. Yep. They they had one uh, that's like they have a trumpet on it. They're called croc a buggle do, buggle do, yeah. You know, fun, fun stuff like that. Yeah, this new dev diary for Sandland covers ah, uh, uh, dungeons and subquests. Um, you know, kind of it is kind of that that conversational format between uh, uh, the host Samantha and the producer of the Sandland Keishu Minami. Um. Talking about how, you know, you'll, in order to traverse dungeons, you may need to use uh, your vehicle to clear up debris to progress further in dungeons. Because in dungeons, you kind of salvage equipment to to get materials to further upgrade uh, your vehicles. They do mention in this kind of... I, I don't know if they've ever mentioned this for this before, but there's some sort of like base like or town building uh, metagame in Sandland where um, as you're completing subquests in it, you're... You're kind of recruiting residents into this like kind of this town area yeah, that you're developing. Yeah. So, and then as you um, get new residents, they'll establish like new facilities and shops and functions of that town. So, like one of the things they showed off is like you know that repainting your um, vehicles, you know, them to look different, look a certain way. And they said they'll go more into this kind of base development. Uh, mechanic in the next dev diary, so they're kind of teasing up already. That, um, but you know, it's it's kind of very basic stuff that they show off. So a tiny bit of like new gameplay. Now, sort of separate from this, we all, yeah. we knew that they're gonna be there's gonna be like a Sandland like movie, but now that I, th- I think I heard there's gonna be like a Sandland like actual like animated TV series. series. Yeah, well, like the Sandland movie was all is well, I think it was like screened that. Like, San Diego Comic Con in July. Yeah, I mean, oh. it's it's either out or coming out, or it's available somewhere. But I think they recently announced there's actually going to be like an anime series. I don't know if it's like a yeah, full, yeah. full series yeah, they, or like a mini series or whatever. But there's more. Sandler. There's more. So, yeah, they, they yeah. So I, I don't know if they're not going to like because some, sometimes they do this thing um, where they release like a TV series or anime series, and then but it's like kind of split up like the film. Like for example, oh, like yeah. the. Like Gundam Unicorn OVAs, they had like a Unicorn TV series that split up the films, right? In that format, so it might be that too. And then they might like add like a few scenes here and there to it. So I'm not exactly sure what, uh, but that that's what I what I'm guessing that it's gonna be. Um. So yeah, but but still no release date for this game. Um. We just know it's probably coming next year unless they. Shadow drop it <laughs> this year, which they won't at the TGAs. Imagine it's like it's available now. It's like what? <laughs> so that's Sandland. Um, we have a new uh, more dev diaries for uh, this is for an upcoming indie game called. Actually, I don't know if this is indie because it has a publisher as well. I don't know what indie means anymore. Uh, it's called Duskgrave. Uh, it's a upcoming sandbox, sandbox RPG. The developers Inner Void Interactive, and published by Digital Tribe Games. Um, the first dev diary they 
they released was this relationship and record system. And basically, uh, as you do stuff in this game, whether you interact with an NPC, whether you kill someone, uh, any significant action, whether it's considered quote-unquote good or bad in this game, uh, will be recorded into the game itself. And that'll grant you positive or negative modifiers for certain NPCs. So, for example, a, a, a random example they, they, they gave in the, in the dev diary was like, for example, this NPC might hate their, their neighbor, so you'll get a positive, positive modifier that you'll kill their neighbor because they didn't like their neighbor. It's like, all right, well, In shit. most RPGs, if you kill a civilian, that's bad. But in this case, it's not. Yeah, yeah I, 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 remember, I remember posting the original trailer for this. It definitely has like that indie scale to it. But yeah, they're really emphasizing this sort of consequence system where everything is recorded so that's the kind of gimmick here it's a nice imagine yeah. game kind of you know crpg ish so and, and, if you're and into then, those sorts of games yeah and depending on like so like mod- what modifiers do you have, might have for some people like they're saying it might unlock a special events or allows you to join a certain faction uh in certain circumstances they also you know uh uh detail the combat system it's a turn-based uh combat system where you have action points, um, light and heavy variants of like attack weapon attacks and magical spells consume more attack points. They also have like you know generic actions like guarding and dashing in combat. So you know it's pretty um, early days, like you know in terms of like what they're sharing for this game and marketing and stuff. But it's going to be uh, available on PC via Steam sometime next year. So yeah, covering that. Uh, and seeing where this uh, dust grave development goes, interesting stuff. Um, next, they uh, showed off uh, more gameplay for the previously announced uh, Seven Deadly Sins Origin action RPG. The G Star Twenty Twenty Three uh, event uh, recently uh, happened over in Korea. That actually event's going on right now. Right this now, oh, so it's, a, yep. it's like a multi-day event. So yep. I forgot if it was like. So yeah, I, it's basically but, like the Korean TGS, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, so that yeah, they, we get a lot of updates on like upcoming uh, games, uh, and usually a lot of these games are coming to like either PC console or mobile. Usually, PC and mobile these days, and because of you know the crazy success of Genshin Impact several years ago, a lot of like games that you see G Star now. Kind of resemble Genshin. Yeah, there was there there was an NCSoft game that's like an RPG, an RPG that's with a cel shaded open world. It's like, huh, this looks. I don't want to say everything looks like Genshin, but this looks like Genshin. <laughs> yeah, like well, the... at least the combat system was like Xenoblade ish, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, but this, this is for the so Deadly Seven Seven Deadly Sins. It's like an adaptation off the anime. So yeah, yeah. It's like they, they, the 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 phrase they use for this because like the description. And admittedly, I have to like uh, Google translate this, but they, they it is explicitly the phrase they are this. And they call it a quote unquote new multiverse story. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> I, I I guess so. The, the you know the the, the protagonist is, uh, protagonist of this is uh, the son of Meliodas and Elizabeth Richard, the main hero and heroine from the original Dev- Seven Deadly Sin story. And then I believe Tristan is from the Four Nights of the Apocalypse like sequel. I don't know anything about this. But anyway, there's some sort of like I don't know. It's a new multiverse story. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. Yeah. 
but this is kind of very much resembles Genshin, where you switch off between four different characters in battle, in the middle of battle. They seem to have, like, specialized in a certain element, and I'm sure if you mix certain elements with certain characters, and you switch them off, it might do something to character. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. I don't know. Might I mean, kind of like any ad- most anime adaptation games, the key main audience is going to be fans of that property. I, but I don't even know, like, is Seven Deadly Sins that big over in the West? I don't know. I think it's a Netflix anime, so that uh-huh. I feel like anything, I'm not even the, I'm not even big in the anime sphere, but I feel like anything that's on Netflix isn't as popular if it's, if it's on Crunchyroll. That's my take. I, don't, I might even be wrong on that. I, don't, I think it is, but I might be wrong. Seven Deadly Origin. Um, Antisoft uh, they showed a new cinematic cinematic trailer for uh, Throne and Liberty at GStar 2023. This their upcoming MMORPG that's actually, you know, has had like some close beta tests, you know, previously. Yeah, Throne so. and Liberty is interesting, um, because relatively early on in its and Korean Korean MMOs, they always feel like you they get announced. And then in like a decade later, we get another update on them. It feels like they always take a long, long time to like manifest. But Throne in Liberty is the next game from MCSoft. And they're the publisher behind like Lineage, right? And yeah. Guild Wars, Ion, Chao's favorite game. Um, but they're, Throne in Liberty is their newest MMORPG. And this one is actually like relevant because Amazon already announced we are publishing it in North America and Japan and the West. I so. previewed it at a... Oh, I thought... For some reason, test. I thought you uh, you decided not to. I don't even remember that you did. I knew you had the option. I never... I forgot that you actually previewed it. Uh, did I actually get a preview out? I think... Oh, let me check. Well, I, <laughs> I, I know that I wrote about um, specifically... No, I think I did Throne Liberty. I think it was another thing that I decided not to cover. Uh I think I think if I remember correctly, you had the choice between that and Blue Protocol, and you chose Blue Protocol. But I might. Oh no! I I mean I I did both, but yeah. Let's see. (laughs) Okay, Adam, I have a question. Uh, Part part of this description for Throne of Liberty uh, calls it their highly anticipated flagship MMPROG. Yes, I think that's just a severe typo. I don't know what that means. Okay, there's a yeah. I did uh, put a preview up on okay. uh, June fourteenth. So, yeah. okay. For for however much is worth doing a preview for oh, an MMO, no, which yeah. uh, I, I'll be perfectly honest, zero. <laughs> it's definitely a, a game that will come out and it exists in front of me in a playable state. I think Amazon. First of all, Amazon just announced that they're like laying off people in their games divisions. I think it's more like. Twitch and Prime Gaming type stuff, but like this doesn't feel like feasible or sustainable to me. They have Lost Ark, which is they're publishing from I forget who the developer of that is, but it's another Korean studio, right? Smilegate. Smilegate, yeah. yeah. And then they have New World, which is their own internal game. They're publishing Blue Protocol next year, and that's Bonanamco online. They have uh, Throne and Liberty coming out that's that that game's coming out in korea like next month so that game is done it just obviously they just just 
they have to do yeah. the translation and release here, but the game like development is pretty much done. Like they're ready to launch it in Korea. Um, and then they have an MMORPG for Lord of the Rings coming out too, that they're oh, doing. Yeah. So it's like, can Amazon run five, six MMOs? I don't think they've thought that far ahead, considering when people ask them about um, the Lord of the Rings MMO, saying, isn't there already a Lord of the Rings MMO <laughs> that people are probably going to keep playing? And said, oh, they'll just move over to ours. And it's like, you have obviously never played an MMO in your, <laughs> in your goddamn life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> got money to burn, okay? Oh, and also, uh, I was looking at making sure I didn't forget anything. Uh, Amazon is also publishing Tomb Raider. Oh yeah, uh, that's not an MMO, but they're publishing the next Tomb Raider from Crystal Dynamics, which is sort of weird. But they're doing it. That reminds me, aren't they? Didn't they just announce like a new Tomb Raider like animated Netflix show too? I think so. Okay. Anyway, we mentioned the Thaumaturge earlier. Like, people might be like, "What? Isn't that coming out next month?" Or not even coming out next? Isn't it coming out like in a few? Yeah, coming out next month. And it's like, no, the the so they recently. Announced that the Thaumaturge is delaying its PC release to February twentieth, two thousand and twenty-four. Another very uh, good Western RPG uh, being delayed to a much uh, you know a, a less busy period of video games. February February twenty twenty-four. So this um, this game is being developed by uh, Old Theory. Yeah, and they're actually the, also the team supposedly behind the Witcher remake um oh eventually so that's sort of like an interesting framing like when witcher remake comes out which it may not be anytime soon i have no idea but like this is the team behind it so mm -hmm. another polish studio um but yeah thaumaturge if you don't know what that is not too surprising it's not a huge splashy game but it's a you know it's a, it's a western rpg kind of isometric you're summoning uh, you, there was a Steam Access demo that Josh played and talked about. You're summoning like demon-like spirit sort of things as like a thaumaturge, and those are the things you're sort of controlling in battle alongside the thaumaturge himself. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, kind of yeah. got like this sort of early 19th or 18th, 19th, 20th century. I think it's like World War One era Warsaw. Yeah, supernatural. Yeah. So, correct. I'm interested in it. Yeah, me too. It's just releasing, you know, in between Persona and Final I, Fantasy. I, I, thought, I thought I was playing, I thought I was going to play this next month, not February 2024. Yeah, it's a little bit different when it's like, oh, it's releasing in December, which is relatively quiet. And then I was like, oh, no, middle of February. That's a very yeah. sandwiched month. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, um, but, you know, it, it's it's to give developers more time to polish it. And that's always a good thing. Right. You don't want them to crunch through it. You want them to make sure they're they're healthy as they're trying to finish it off. So you know, any any time that uh, a game is being delayed because they want to make sure to minimize, if not no crunch, uh, that'd be ideal. Go for it. I, I'd rather a game be delayed than rushed out the door, and you know, we get uh, the slew of. Uh, PC release ports that we got earlier this year. Did you, did you see uh, that that apparently new Gabe Newell quote? Yes, suck is forever. Yeah, it's like I love that. Delay is just a little while. Suck is forever. <laughs> like suck is forever. Okay. 
God, that should be our podcast. It's just like title. the Miyamoto quote, which apparently he never even said. <laughs> you know, he never even said. Yeah. It's like the Miyamoto <laughs> quote, only just you know, just suck is forever. So. Oh, I love that. I love that. I, I agree, actually, Gabe. Misquoted forever. Um, that is a really funny misquote, though, from Miyamoto. <laughs> like everyone attributes <laughs> that a, a good game or a. a, a a bad game is bad forever, or a the game is eventually good. Everyone contributes that to Miyamoto, but apparently he never actually said that. <laughs> I like Mary Annalette when she said, let them eat cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the uh, the insanity quote from Albert Einstein. He never said that. Oh. Mm-hmm. So. This one is... Uh, th- this this next is a real is quote. Really cool. Gabe oh. Newell, suck is forever. <laughs> yeah. I love Truly a visionary, actually. <laughs> so th- this the next uh, story is really cool. Uh, Larian announced a physical deluxe edition for Baldur's Gate 3, and it looks beautiful, and it is a steal. For $79.99, you get um, this Mind Flayer poster, obviously the game itself for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X only, because Xbox Series S does not have a dish drive. I actually forgot this. I'm like, wait, is it not coming to S? Oh no, that's just a digital-only console. I forgot. Okay, I, I, I forgot too, until James reminded us. Guys, S doesn't have a dish drive. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. So yeah, the, uh, obviously the game itself, Mind Flayer poster, 32 stickers, um, a deluxe edition box, uh, the OST, which is three discs, um, two like patches, as in like, you know, physical patches, and uh, of course a world map of the game. And that's for seventy nine ninety nine coming out. Worth noting that this is not a collector's edition or a limited edition. This is just that already happened. Yeah, that collector's edition already happened. This is just a physical edition. You have to buy it through Larian store, so it's not being sold at retailers. But they ship to a lot of places worldwide, and they will restock if they need to. Like it's not limited. So uh, and, and then to, to clarify, this not only just for PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X. It is also coming. There's also a PC, physical PC uh, DVD for the game that hosts a custom installer and arrives with a Steam key. Yep. Yeah, it. I'll be honest. The, the stuff of the uh, the uh, PC collector's edition. I'm just gonna say it. You have boutique like VN uh, publishers that do physical releases on PC, and they just give people like you like a like a flash drive with the game on it, and flash is so cheap. I understand why they don't package Blu-rays in for physical copies of PC games because nobody has a fucking disc drive anymore, and nobody buys like external like Blu-ray drives. But it's like if you're gonna do a physical copy on PlayStation and Xbox that has multiple discs for the explicit purpose that you don't have to worry about being online to play it, while you're also selling this game on GOG, so you you're you don't care about DRM and it's like DRM free on Steam. Why didn't they just have like a USB drive with the game on it? That's true. It, it's a it's a pet it's it is like really like um I know I'm being petty here, but it's just like it it, it kind of it's like really Yeah, I, I I get it. I get it. Yeah. Because 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 yeah if you wanna you have to go find the disk drive somewhere <laughs> for it now. Do any of your and you still need to be online because it and it's because it's a it's a custom installer, but it's on a DVD, yeah. so it's like you're going to have to be connected to the internet. It's like that's not a problem mm-hmm. now, but it's like 
20 years from now, you'll probably still be able to put that uh, PS5, well, those PS5 discs in a PS5 or those Xbox discs in an Xbox and they'll work. It's just, I don't know. Do any of the computers your guys are on right now have a disk drive? Nope. 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 Uh, <laughs> my, my, I think my previous PC did. I, I actually think I might I'll, have like a USB disk drive somewhere. I have a USB disk drive. <laughs> I'll be honest, though. I would still have a disk drive if modern PC cases had space for them. Yeah, they don't. They, they, don't. Don't, fucking, they don't fucking care about that shit anymore. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, like like my current case right now does not have a place we would put a disk drive at the front. There's no slot for it at all. And that's been the case, but. Eh. For at least like half a decade, probably closer to a full decade at this point. So, but yeah, also on this note, they revealed or announced or pre announced, Larian did, that the Xbox version, like the digital version, they're going to announce the release date at the Game Awards. And a lot of people are just assuming Shadow Drop. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of like, why not? And if it's not a Shadow Drop, it might be like, the very next day or something, you know? Yeah. It, or I'm, February 2024. <laughs> well, but they confirmed it's coming next month. Oh, okay. But that's so, that ruins the joke, though. Yeah. It'll be... I'm curious, because I know that there was those leaked documents about, like, Microsoft, like, internally, like, uh, I guess, like estimating what the cost of like uh, game pass deals would be and like Baldur's Gate 3 at the time was one of those like really cheap ones i wonder if uh, after the game blew up if microsoft decided to try and get a late game pass deal for that i have to imagine i mean of course, i i assume they definitely wanted it on game pass uh, and they'll pony up for it this is totally I, this is totally anecdotal, but I know someone who I work with who is like, this is the thing they are most anticipating out of anything in the world. The Xbox version of Baldur's Gate 3. Oh really? That's yeah. awesome. Because yeah, they, that, they that, really want to play Baldur's Gate cool. 3 and they play on Xbox. So they're that's they cool. want to play that's this. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I was gonna say that it's like Microsoft is kind of like you, you even see it on like the, the Xbox communities out there. They've really conditioned their player base to not really buy games, especially not at launch. So yeah, I'm, it's crazy. The, 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 the ongoing Game Pass effect. Ripple. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how this does on uh, Xbox, how, exactly how many people actually buy it if it's not like a day one Game Pass deal. Yeah, the, just seeing, you know, well, what can we say? The continued success and popularity of Baldur's Gate 3 <laughs> indoors. I checked the number of Steam reviews the other day, and at least going by conventional wisdom of like 50 sales per Steam review, that's generally what people go with. Um, Like on Steam alone, not counting GOG, not counting the PlayStation 5 version, uh, it has 357,000 reviews, which means approximately, again, going off conventional wisdom, we don't know for sure, it's probably sold around 15 million copies on Steam. That'd be crazy That's insane. That'd be crazy if true. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh. Damn. I'd say it's definitely past 10 million across PC and PS5 by this point. I can believe that. I think. Yeah. 
Oh, crazy. It, it yeah. feels like before this came out, like I was excited for this. There was people like obviously on staff excited for this, but it, I don't think anyone expected this to no. essentially be the biggest release of the year. Definitely not. I mean, you'll get like the lineage of like CRPG. And everyone who played it thought the original Sin 2 was good or great, even excellent, even our own review of it. But yeah, yeah. this game exploded. So, and, and, and even then, like, even people who played like the closed beta or like the early beta of like Baldur's Gate 3, like, you know, they're like, they, they had their issues with it. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, it's all right, you know, it's pretty neat. But I don't think anyone obviously really knew what they were in for the final product until hit. Oh, oh, shit. Um, moving on, we have the PlayStation Plus game catalog for November 2023. Uh, some notable RPGs on there, including Grandia, Aiden Chronicle Rising, and Dragon's Dogma. So, if you're, I'm actually uh, planning on playing Dragon's Dogma soon because mm-hmm. I've always been interested, but mm-hmm. also, um, this is the next news post. I'm kind of jumping ahead here. Capcom announced. Uh, a showcase for Dragon's Dogma 2 coming up in like a week and a half, November 28th, which they're going to yep. reveal a lot about the game and probably the release date because oh. the Peggy rating, like the European okay, rating. Saudi the Arabian game, rating also leaked. So it's oh. like multiple rating boards. So it's definitely the March release. So it's like it's, it's like March 22nd or something like that, like basically yeah. late March. And I think the uh, Saudi Arabian uh, ratings board also said the same thing. So yeah, it's it's probably releasing March twenty second. Which um, that also makes sense in the context of Capcom. They said in their financials many times, we have a big title coming out in quarter four that's going to uh, basically get you know more, more or less inflate or boost our our revenue. And some people, like, you know, nine months ago or six to nine months ago, were thinking, oh, this is going to be Monster Hunt. But no, it might have been just Dragon's Dogma. Um, yeah. It's I... coming out in this quarter. Uh, and I want to play it, but I have to play the first one first. So, do you, uh, Adam, do, do you have a Steam Deck? I would recommend no, no, playing No, I, I would never play on Steam Deck. I am not a Steam Decker. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I played a lot, and I mean a lot of uh, Dragon's Dogma on my flight to Japan for TGS. Uh, that 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 was a good time. Uh, but yeah, the main reason I thought that um, for a while that it wasn't going to be a Monster Hunter release, it was a March release, is that I always thought that no, they're going to announce it in March because March 11th is going to be the 20th year anniversary of the series, so they'll probably have an anniversary. Yeah. a live stream where they announce, oh yeah, this is coming out this holiday. So. Hey, yeah. you know what? Uh, late March 2024 is not February 2024, so it seems to be in a, in a good spot. If that's yeah, like, really February is really dense. Like, really, really, late really gen- dense. Late, late January through February is basically insane. Yeah, like, early January is okay. Uh, the end of March is okay, but yeah, like late January to early March is. You hear that, folks? <laughs> you have a month and a half to get through your RPG backlog, uh, assuming you're not getting uh, Dragon Quest Monsters Three, in which case, uh, good luck. Yeah, so I, I need to like I need to like finish the original Dragon's Dogma before like early 
or late January. Because <laughs> else I won't have time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck to us all. Godspeed. But yeah, but yeah. in terms of the uh, the RPG catalog that I sort of just glossed over, Grandia, the Aiden Chronicle Rising like mini spin-off prequel game, side game, whatever you want to call it, and Dragon Sogma. Um, sort of makes sense because Aiden Chronicle has like the main game coming out in a couple of months. So, you know, it's like, hey. That's April, isn't it? Yeah, April. Um, which again, April is not packed yet either. I'm sure it'll get there, but not yet. But Aiden Chronicle 100 Heroes is April. This is the uh, the spin-off game, which I think is fine, kind of in the context that it's sort of a side prequel taster game. You know, it's 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 basic. It's literally just like a teaser for the main event. Um, hey, those Gra- characters are going to show up in the hundred. Yeah, several heroes. of the characters will show up, and I think some of the characters are pretty fun. So like, they're you know they'll, you'll see them again. Um, why is CJ wearing a suit now? That's so weird. It's not what I expected. Um, <laughs> Anyways, uh, I guess in a weird way, you might. She might be like, that might be something she would try to do, try to fit in. I don't know. But Grandia is sort of interesting because this is like the HD collection for Grandia never released for PlayStation. And I know people have been asking for it because it's on Switch. It's on Steam, but not on PlayStation. It's like, well, here's Grandia on PlayStation. It's just the, uh, the emulated PlayStation 1 version. I've seen a lot of people that are saying that they're excited for this because they were so burned by the shitty filtering on the like official remasters that they're expecting yes. this to be a better experience. Only problem is you don't have Japanese voices. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a trade-off. And you also, yeah. I, I forgot the, the, the does it have like the rewind function as well? Because oh like, yeah, it'll have like the usual emulation functions. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, that's pretty much it for this week's uh, random news, along with the titles that we played. Um, this upcoming week is going to be weird because I expect there's probably going to be no news because it's Thanksgiving week. <laughs> and there's usually nothing that really happens or gets announced. Uh, um, for what it's worth, Thanksgiving for me is just a long weekend. So I'm. I are we planning on podcasting next week? Should we decide this right now? I'll be here. I'm. Uh, I'll. I'll be here. I'll be here. Okay, yeah, I'll so, be here too. All right. So oh, it sounds like we are. Well, we'll just see. How, <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna talk tur- about, but what if, I don't know what we're gonna talk about. I'll just eat. I guess I'll just eat turkey and just like for the the entire time. We're just like, yeah, is that, is that turkey good? Yeah, and then just for two hours. That's it. No games. No news. <laughs> just eating. That's it. Just having a good time. So. At, unless something happens, we're, we're still planning to record a new podcast episode uh, next next weekend, um, day after Thanksgiving. So uh, until unless we announce something that says, "Oh, we can't do it," we should still be able. To. Until then, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us, listening to the entire episode. Um, you can find us on RPGSite.net. You can find us on uh, Twitter at RPG site. You can find us on Facebook.com via Facebook.com slash RPGs net. Our YouTube is YouTube.com slash RPG site net, where we upload uh, our podcast episodes. Uh, you can find us on your favorite podcast app, whether that be iTunes or Spotify or wherever else you get podcasts. You can find us on Discord via discord.com 
slash invite slash RPG site, where we have a still pretty damn active community of people who not only just play RPGs, but fighting game people there. Probably play uh, that Under Night in Birth 2 beta. Is that, is that what those Uni 2 people are talking about? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, challenge me anytime. And I've, I've, been, I've been kind of playing other games. I, 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 know, I know you've been tinkering around with your not Switch as well. It's too good. Uh, it's, uh, until then, uh, you can catch us next time. I have no idea what the fuck we're going to talk about, but... Um, Dead of the brain. Maybe this is the the channel episode where he's like, finally I can talk about all these 15-plus-year-old games and no one can stop me. Who knows? Like, uh, <laughs> that might just be what, ha- what ends up happening. Uh, until next time, everyone, stay safe. Uh, obviously, if you're celebrating Thanksgiving... Uh, have an awesome Thanksgiving and happy holidays uh, to any other tradition that you may be uh, celebrating around that time period. And you can catch us next time. Till then, take care. Peace out.